Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Indiana's going to win it, and they have won it! Indiana beats the Purdue Boilermakers. The final count here tonight, 79-71. to The Hoosiers pick up their second win and sweep the Boilermakers in 2023. Oh, we can be heroes. Just for one day. You, Jake, when you hear those highlights, courtesy of Don Fisher and obviously the IU Radio Network, and the silence in the background after each one of those highlights tells you everything you need to know. You obviously have seen a whole lot of Indiana Purdue in your history on this earth. What Jalen hood Shafino did on Saturday night, Jake, to me will go down as one of the greatest performances that rivalry has ever seen. If I'm not mistaken, it's the second highest point total for a freshman in IU basketball history. Only Jay Edwards, 36 at Minnesota as a freshman was better. Um, and when you consider the stakes, I mean, obviously at Purdue, who has been ranked number one for the majority of the season, even though they're not right now, probably a bigger win than that game in 88 over Minnesota. Kevin, let me give you two right off the, right out of the box, two confessions of error on my behalf. The first being, I had said at the beginning of the Big Ten season that Indiana was going to beat Purdue by five in Bloomington, and then Purdue would win by 15 in West Lafayette. Clearly, I was wrong in the second regard, and plenty of IU fans reminded me of it, which is totally cool. Kudos to Indiana, a phenomenal performance, and we'll talk about Purdue, what I think is going on with Purdue later in the show, but the other thing, Kevin, where I absolutely was off the mark, I, along probably with a lot of people, but certainly I, felt like for the majority of this season that Indiana's year was going to go as far as Trace Jackson Davis could take them. And not one game does not a season make. But we know of the expectation for Jalen hood Shafino coming in. And what we now have, I believe, tangible evidence of is this. Indiana can overcome off nights from Trace Jackson Davis. Indiana against great teams cannot overcome off nights for Jalen hood Shafino. And I think now it is safe to say that Indiana will go as far this year as Jalen hood Shafino will take them. Well, you know, the old saying, Jake, guards in March. You yep. know, we, we often say that. Um, I thought it was very fitting. Mark, I don't know if you did this on purpose. I thought it was very fitting that uh, the opening highlight there from Don Fisher was a Trey Galloway steal and layup. I thought Galloway was outstanding. We will have another guy that I thought was very important for them. Join us at 9.30 today. That would be Miller Cop. Both him and Galloway each hit three threes. And we've talked about the supporting cast, Jake. We've talked about the supporting cast on the road, and they certainly delivered. Good Monday morning to you. It is a rainy and from what it sounds like, kind of a windy Monday here in Indianapolis. Combine week is underway. Even driving downtown this morning, saw some lanyards of people walking downtown the defensive players get into town a little bit earlier in the week the offensive guys uh, kind of midweek and then we'll work out 
towards the end of the week. We'll be over at the convention center Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday uh, for a little combine action. Shane Steichen, Colts head coach, should be joining us for one of those days. The the combine begins which day? Does it begin on Wednesday? Well, I, I guess technically, you know, do you mean the on-field workouts? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Thursday. I think they've bumped okay. them up to the afternoon. You know, last year they put them in prime time. I think they start a little bit earlier this year. But defensive players, I think the D-line and the linebackers started to get to Indy uh, yesterday. Orientation, medical exams, you know, some of those team interviews early in the week. Uh, Chris Ballard, Shane Steichen, both will meet the media on Wednesday. Um, and like I said, we'll be over there Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, obviously, a ton to recap on today's show. Mitch and Miller Cop going to join us at 9.30. Bob Kravitz at 9 o'clock. He was in West Lafayette. And Jake, we're talking about a Pacers road win for the first time in two months. How about that? Um, going down. And actually, a game that kind of controlled, right? It wasn't like they eked one out in the end. But a big road trip for the Pacers. Kevin... You know, I look at the Pacers now, and, and I I see them as inching back towards lottery consideration to see where they're going to draft. Truth be told, although they've had a nice year of some good moments, uh, your guy that you were ready to build the second statue for when he became oh, a Pacer, oof, oof. Uh, Brandon Miller, there there seem to be some issues there. Uh, th- that would be putting it uh, politely on that front. There uh, certainly some issues there. Um, I am very curious to see how all of this plays out. And Jake, it's a question that I want to throw to Bob later today. Would this take Brandon Miller off team's draft boards? You know, I was, and not to divulge, to, or, or not to get too much into it, because I realize that people probably aren't as interested in, in forwards from Alabama, but um, we talked a little about this, Kevin. I read more about this, and for those that are unfamiliar, Brandon Miller is a an elite-level, top-tier, top-five-level talent at Alabama he's a freshman and I'm not saying according to all account Brandon Miller and his teammate were out doing something his teammate left a jacket in Brandon Miller's car his teammate later called him and said hey like I left my jacket which has my gun in it in your car can you bring it over to me and Brendan Miller said, sure. And he drove over to where the guy was and delivered it to him. And then that firearm was used in a fatal shooting. I have no idea, nor will we ever know, whether or not it was that innocuous. As opposed to, hey, bring me my heat. I'm going to go, you know, that because that was a report, was that he said, texted him something along, bring me my heat or, or something like that. that. That may have been an erroneous report. I have no idea. We'll never know that, right? So... He has not been charged with anything, and they obviously they've investigated it. He has not been charged. Now it doesn't sound like he will be. Correct. So the many of the things I saw said that there are that teams within the top five because if you're drafting one through five, you can bypass on his talent and get a player probably of equivalent talent that doesn't have that. Once you start getting 6 through 10, then you're saying, okay, am I going to pass on this guy because I have question about his character and settle for a guy that's 70% the player? And so I think he'll slide maybe out of the top five, but I don't think he'll be around much longer than that. I mean, he's an incredible talent, obviously, um, off the court. That was a very concerning story. And, I mean, you saw how he played in the game immediately after all that 
coming out, the shot to send Alabama to overtime and then to hit the game winner as well. There does seem to be a lot of deep wings in this draft. That's kind of his position, so I don't know. Maybe that would impact some things, but certainly a draft storyline to keep an eye on as we get to the end of the college basketball season and get into tournament play. Speaking of road trips... How was uh, Lawrence? Well, let's I, actually. I want to hear about Florida first. You were gone for the better part of the week, and you were in a more exciting place. Yeah, it certainly didn't look like this. I, I will tell you that um, it was beautiful weather, um, great time. Anna Maria Island. So basically, you fly into Tampa, which is where you'll be coming up this weekend for the start of the IndyCar season, and then Anna Maria Island is probably like forty-five minutes ish, maybe a little bit more than that, from the airport, um, like an island area in the in the Gulf. And it was a great time with my my side of the family. It's a smaller side of the family, just one cousin for Rosie and Max on that side. But a really fun time to get away. Um, again, perfect weather, and you know whether it was swimming or you know, collecting seashells on the beach or whatever. Um, Rosie had a great time, so it was did fun you, to be. Did away. you play any miniature golf? We did, no, we did not do any uh, ice cream. Did any, you have any ice cream? Certainly, a lot of ice cream. Okay. Uh, more treats than you can imagine to try and uh, keep the kids entertained. Certainly on the uh, on the airplane as well. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was fun. Did you watch Notre Dame because they had a game? Didn't they Mark have a game? They yeah, did. they played North Carolina, and we debated whether or not you actually watched that while. What on do you vacation. think the answer was? I the, said yes. Uh huh. Nine a question. Nine o'clock tip. It was good to see everybody kind of go to bed around nine forty-five, so I could go, I could bunker up a little bit. Where, and, when one is in Florida, I mean, I, I guess it's no different Florida to Indiana. Like, what, what was it on? Did oh, it was on ESPN. It? Okay, it, it was prime time. I mean, we're talking Notre Dame basketball here. We're not talking about just some <laughs> chump <laughs> program. No, uh, we're talking brutal. about Notre Dame basketball in the year 2023. How about this? Uh, the final nine could missed, be on the Ocho. I think the final nine missed shots of that game. Notre Dame did not get the rebound one time. <laughs> I'm yelling. Oh, I told you. I, we started the show, and I said, I think I hear a muffled fire, Mike Bray. Uh, I was like, why are we not fouling to extend the game? Yes, I was You know, actually, along one. those lines, when it comes to North Carolina, my the most viral tweet I have ever sent was a couple of years ago, North Carolina was playing Oregon in the NCAA tournament, and Oregon was up by like five with I don't know, a couple minutes to go, and Carolina kept missing free throws but getting their own rebound and putting it back in and scoring. Something like Carolina got something like six straight offensive rebounds off missed free throws in the last 40 seconds of the game to win. And I sent a tweet with the picture of the old Oregon Trail, like dark screen, green, you know. Oh, sure. And just and just said, um, you have died by not boxing out. And it got something like two and a half million retweets. Well, what was the famous like sickness on the Oregon Trail? Dysentery, isn't that what it was? Dysentery. Yeah. Dysentery. Isn't you have died of dysentery. Uh-huh. That it, yeah. yeah, that was Notre Dame on Tuesday night against <laughs> North Carolina. Uh, like I said, Miller Cop going to join us coming up at nine thirty, nine o'clock. It's going to be Bob Kravitz. I mean, Jake, when you think about Jalen Hood Shafino from Saturday night, it, it's it's not like this dude hit seven threes and just had some kind of out of body experience from a three point standpoint. It's not like he got to the foul line and half his points came from there. This was a dude that did whatever he wanted to do in the half court, got to whatever spot he wanted, whether it was going to his right, going to his left. And you know, when you talk about the history of this rivalry, and as I said, to kind of lead off the show, I think to add to the point total, which is the obvious, thirty five points is obvious. Jake, we're talking about a freshman. And we're talking yeah. about a freshman on the road in what is not Nebraska or, you know, 
Penn State. I mean, we were talking about Mackey Arena after Purdue had just lost the first meeting in this matchup. A Saturday night, you're All-American, your first-team All-American, your consensus. I, I thought at times in the first half, I was like, was Trace Jackson Davis sick or was he hurt? I, the whole T-shirt threw me off. I hadn't seen him wear a T-shirt, I think, all year under the jersey. And when he's struggling... That is your freshman that I thought kept you in it. Oh, at some he times. absolutely kept him in it. What do you have? Twenty three of the half, right? In the first half, that when they doubled Trace Jackson Davis, it completely freed up the mid range game for Jalen Hood Shafino, and he took advantage of it. I, I think Purdue's problem, on the other hand, is Purdue, like Indiana, has an inside unicorn that teams couldn't figure out how to guard. But when Purdue's in Purdue's case, teams are now seeing Purdue for the second time, and so they have figured out how to kind of balance out what to do defensively on everybody else. And Fletcher Lawyer and, and you know, they, they have not shot the ball and played well from the outside. No, Lawyer and Braden Smith both I mean, really Braden Smith shooting it. You know, Jalen hood Shafino coming in was a top 10 recruit. He's a five-star player. He was thought to be a one-and-done. And the narrative, from myself included, was, hey, look at Purdue. They're going to go out and they get you know gutsy guys that, that play hard and know the game and understand how to play and give me that kind of guy every day of the week. And I get it. He's going to, Braden Smith's going to be there four years. But in that game, there was, and I'm not, Braden Smith's a, a wonderful player, don't get me wrong. But in that game, it was like, okay, now I see it. Now you see why Jalen hood Shafino was so sought after. And perhaps he's just now playing himself into probably a month ago he started because he was always going to be targeted for a first-round pick because of his body, his mid-range game. his What he does, Kevin, is he is able to get his own shot. Mm-hmm. He can get his own shot from anywhere regardless of what's happening. And I think it just took him a while to get his footing underneath him. Now, again, one game does not a season make, and he's got to be consistent with this now. They got two two games at home for him to to really get into rhythm, and then in the tournament you let the chips fall and you see what's going to happen. You know, I thought arguably maybe the bigger thing from Saturday night for them again, Huchafino is not he struggled on the road, uh, but he's had some nights, you know, where he has exploded and, and has been that that lead guy. But Trey Galloway and Miller Cop to get that away from home, I mean, that to me stands out even more because you go back to like the Michigan game a few weeks back where. No one on the team scored more than four points outside of Trace or Jalen hood Shafino. If you can get that away from home, that to me can be a difference in what you're doing second weekend and potentially beyond. Because if you watch that game on Saturday night, you know, both teams for the most part, it's, you know, double the post, commit all this attention to Zach Eady or Trace Jackson Davis. And when that big guy throws it out, how can your supporting cast react to that? And if you watch, especially early second half, you know, Purdue was a four-point lead at half. Uh, they had a long field goal drought, really, to end the first half till Brandon Newman hit that three. But you start that second half, Galloway hits an early three. Cop hits an early three. And, Jake, I'm watching Purdue's guys at home. Mason Gillis, clanging threes. Ethan Morton, clanging threes. Caleb First, clanging threes. And when Purdue, like in Morton's case or Caleb First's case, when you're putting a couple non-shooters out there and they're not hitting at home, and Indiana's supporting cast, quote-unquote, is, that is not what I expected going into Saturday night, but I thought that, on top of Hood Shafino, of course, that was the difference in the game. The fact that Indiana behind the arc did what I thought Purdue would do at home, and then vice versa. Hey, Purdue shot it like I figured Indiana would on the road. Trey Galloway in the last month and a half becoming an outside, a consistent outside shooter has been 
a, a huge changer for Indiana. And he makes... And it's both ends, but to your point, Jake, he, his shooting. When Indiana slumps, Trey Galloway is not often the guy that, that is scoring the basketball to get them back in games, but he is the guy oftentimes that makes a play or two that jumpstarts the comeback. Uh, a loose ball or a key steal and assist. He's a, he's a pretty heady player. And he had a couple of those steals early second half when they were down. I thought for Purdue, the missed opportunity for me – was in that first half when oh, IU when was, they were up seven or whatever it IU's was in foul trouble correct Purdue's in the bonus they had that again that field goal drought of like four or five minutes late half I thought that was your chance to kind of grow the lead could you get it to eight could you even get it to double figures if you do that I just think the psyche is a little bit different the fact that it was a four-point game and you know Brandon Newman throws in a three late clock to end the first half it almost felt like just talking to IU fans at halftime and I'm sure their locker room felt that hey we're right in this. If you had gotten it to 8 or 10, maybe it could have been different. Uh, Mark, I want to know from you, Mark Dighton, you sent me a text. Uh, what was the overall time? You were driving back in the wind farms on uh-huh. 65. Mm-hmm. Did you test to see how long from the time they first come into view to the last moment you can see them in your rearview mirror? So I timed it, but I was already kind of, I had already begun the trek. But uh, we, it was about 15 minutes. No, yeah, no. No. It's making good time. No, I don't know. Are you saying that's not accurate? Yeah, info? that's that's not pop. When, when did you start timing it? Probably f- five minutes in. So I guess it would have been 20 minutes. And then did you wait? There, You have to make absolutely certain that there's not even a slight sliver well, of one. See, the there's all there. these caveats in here. I just, as soon as I stop seeing them pass my window, I yeah, stop counting. Yeah, no. See, you're not going by the official rules. I didn't know there's so many rules. But you this. went where over the weekend? Just up to my folks' house. We were going to go that? do some museums and stuff, but uh, one of the girls was not feeling too hot, so we didn't end up going. You just hung out at the house? Just hung out, helped around okay. the house, helped them get some stuff done. Watch Notre Dame? No. Watch <laughs> IU Purdue, watch some spring training baseball, all that stuff. Uh, I just made one a Notre Dame game I am, on vacation for me, by the way. I'm extremely proud of this. We went to Lawrence, Kansas on Saturday for the Kansas-West Virginia game. And on the way back, I would... When you at the University of Kansas, when you get back on the interstate, Lawrence is like thirty-five miles from Kansas City. It's actually a toll road, so you take the you take the ticket, and then you go, and then when you you go, I don't know, fifteen miles, you got to then pay. You got to hand your ticket in and pay it. At that point, I set the timer on my car, and I made it from the Lawrence toll booth to four sixty-five in six hours and fifty-seven minutes. Pretty proud of that. but Maybe you should be in the St. Pete race coming up this week. Seriously. Weekend. When we were passing the Arrowhead and Royal Stadium Truman Sports Complex in Kansas City, right then, the JMV takeover was just beginning on B105. So I put it on, and we listened to the JMV takeover the entire way, except for the IU-Purdue game. We listened to each half. At halftime, I timed it for 20 minutes, went back to the JMV takeover. JMV played ACDC five times on Saturday night, by the way. Um, and I crossed into Terre Haute, crossed the state line as he was signing off. I, I could not be more proud. Look at that. Could not be more did proud. Did you give him a call? I did, oh, yeah. We, he, he played a Kansas song for us um, since we were coming back from Kansas. Um, now, what were those Kansas jerseys? Look like something James Naismith. Had yeah, sewn some sort together. of. A th- so you know, you you probably know this, Kevin, but actually, before the game, we went Kansas inside Allen Fieldhouse 
which is the James Naismith court, because James Naismith, who invented basketball, coached mm-hmm. at Kansas. Matter of fact, yeah. I think he's the only coach at the University of Kansas with a losing record, ironically enough. But the the notes where he first wrote down the rules of basketball, like the sheet of paper where he wrote it all down, you know, the Bill Cook or the Mark Cuban of Indi- of Kansas bought those for like $10 million or something a couple of years ago, and they are on display in the basketball, the, the Kansas Basketball Hall of Fame at Allen Fieldhouse. So like James Naismith is like this beloved figure there, understandably. I'm assuming those were, like Kansas was wearing some sort of like Adidas throwback. Truth be told, we were sitting in the very top of the arena. We, we were literally in the last row of Allen Fieldhouse, so I couldn't see the jerseys as closely. They, they looked really throwback. They were, yeah, they were definitely that. Um, it looked like an awesome atmosphere. It's a pretty cool place to watch a game, no doubt. And again, I, as I had said on Friday, I did not have my freshman year of college was not an overly positive experience, 100% on me. I was just too young and immature to be that far from home. And I had not really gone back at all. And so I just was like, let's go. And we had dinner with my buddy, Corey Lagerstrom, who lives in Kansas City. And I met when I was a freshman. He was one of the guys that really kind of helped me through that year. Had dinner with him. And Kansas City is a very cool city. Went out for barbecue. And then went from there to Lawrence and made it made it back in record time. So it was a good weekend. We actually watched a little bit of that at a Binkley's on Saturday night. We had zero food in the house, and Rosie was just, oh, gosh. just Binkley's uh, a good spot. Absolutely, just causing a tear. So, yeah, I uh, went to Binkley's and watched the end of that game. So uh, it was. So it was a nice spot. You know where else I went on Saturday night? My buddy is in a band. I went to the Irish Mutt on the east side. Oh, yeah. Little mutt action. What's the name of the band? Uh, the Roughnecks. Are they good? Which I believe is an XFL nickname, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I think that's the Houston team. Um, oh, yeah, they, 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 they you were, know what? They were great. Last night in the XFL, it was Houston versus Arlington. Was it Jack Cohn? Someone was tweeting at me that Jack Cohn, the Notre Dame quarterback, was starting. Uh, Drew Pitt. Really? Former Ball State quarterback was huh, playing. Yeah, chirp. That's right. It's all Paxton Lynch. Was what kind of music are the Roughnecks? Uh, I would say like uh, maybe like a little bit more upbeat country. Yeah, okay. What's your buddy's name? Did some covers. Patrick Kennedy. It was great. It's great. Him and a few former co-workers. So saw uh, Butler Matt Howard there. Oh, really? I thought he was the bouncer. I walk in. I'm like, oh my gosh, I recognize that man. I thought he was pl- or living somewhere. He's, does he live in Indy? He doesn't financial stuff. Okay. Here. Fair enough. In Indianapolis. But yeah, the Mutt was a great time on Saturday night. Bob Kravitz, 9 o'clock. Miller Cop at 9.30. Can you think, see Riley Towers? Do you think Miller will be walking Ivy the dog in this weather? Yes. Uh, Ivy Towers is a bit of a blur right Riley now. Riley Towers. What I call it? Ivy Towers? Yeah, you were thinking of Ivy the dog. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like a nice college. Uh, it does, know. doesn't it? College I'm living at Ivy Towers next year. Yeah, uh-huh. I re-signed for Ivy Towers again for 2023-2024. Jake's back from Lawrence. I'm back from Florida. Mark Dykton's back from the windmills. Good Monday morning to you. A little bit of rain. A little bit of wind uh, on this Monday. It's Combine Week here in Indy. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For the IU faithful, certainly a night to remember in West Lafayette on Saturday. 79-71, Mike Woodson's bunch, a season sweep of the Boilermakers. That is the first time in a decade Indiana has accomplished that. 
And Jake, Jalen Huchifino said it to lead off the show. I'll say it a lot on this Monday morning. That is one of the greatest performances this rivalry has ever seen. 35 points for the freshman on the road to certainly be the catalyst for the Hoosiers. Uh, mid-range game was working for him. 14-24 to from the floor, 35 for Jalen Huchifino, second highest output for a freshman in IU basketball history. Trace Jackson Davis got off to a slow start, but turns out didn't necessarily matter because it was overcome by Jalen Hood Shafino's performance. Here is the Indiana senior on his freshman teammate. Um, absolutely, we feed off of him. Um, I told him before the game even started, I said, you're going to get your opportunities. Get him up and score the ball. And I kept telling him, and Coach Woody was trying to give me baskets, and I told him, I said, Coach, not right now. Um, we're riding him right now, and when a guy's hot like that, you just got to keep giving him talked to somebody yesterday that said that is the definition of leadership that trace jackson davis would say look don't be forcing it into me get the ball where it needs to go meanwhile on the other side for purdue zach Eady was typical zach Eady. he had 26 but the combo if you look at it of braden smith caleb first mason gillis that group seven of 22 from the floor zach Eady in a situation now with the boilers are going to need to support their big man and zach Eady continues to be confident in his teammates not at all i have ultimate confidence in my teammates always have always will doesn't matter what if we win or lose doesn't matter if shots go in or shots don't like it's a great group of guys i'm surrounded with um then we're just going to figure it out he was obviously asked, are you worried about, I should have prefaced that when he said not at all. Uh, elsewhere in college basketball over the weekend, it was Murray State by a point over Valpo, 77-76. Illinois State, 72-53 over Evansville and Missouri State, 66-62 over Indiana State. Sycamores now 20-11. and They are 13-7 and in the Bova. And we should know, Jake, certainly Purdue a hell of an accomplishment from clinching a share of the Big Ten title. Some other results had to go their way this weekend for that to happen, of course, with their loss, but considering the preseason expectations pretty darn impressive Purdue will win at least a share they're at Wisconsin Thursday night Indiana's got Iowa tomorrow speaking of that that IU women's game yesterday in Iowa City how about Iowa's two home games this weekend Fran McCaffrey stares at refs they come down from what 15 down something like that with less than four minutes to go to beat Michigan State Saturday and then yesterday in Iowa City Caitlin Clark hits a game-winning three to beat Terry Morin in the Hoosiers just the second loss of the season for the IU women it was a thriller yesterday college game day actually was there um, yesterday morning from Iowa City yeah thank you Mark Uh, NBA last night Damian Lillard Historic performance, 71 points. That is correct. You heard me correctly. 71 points, 131-114. Portland over the Houston Rockets last night. Elsewhere, Denver, the Warriors, the red-hot Sacramento Kings. Break them up. They've won three straight. They defeated Oklahoma City. Cleveland, the Lakers, the Bulls, the Hawks, and the Bucks all getting wins as well. Yeah, the Pacers Saturday night, they got a win in Orlando. Their first road win since December 23rd. It was a big third quarter for Indiana to pull away, and they're really in full control from there. Miles Turner backed up that 40-point night last Thursday with 24 big minutes off the bench from Jordan Wara. He had 18 points. He was a perfect 7 of 7 inside the arc. Benedict Matherin had 19, and Jalen Smith got some rare Clock, no Daniel Tice. Uh, Rick Carlo decided not to play him. I think I was kind of a healthy scratch there. So Jalen Smith with some nice minutes. It'll be at Dallas tomorrow night for Indiana. They are on a 10 day road trip. Four games on this road trip. Uh, finally, NASCAR over the weekend, it was Kyle Bush. I think Kyle Bush, by the way, I have felt for the last 10 years or so, Kyle Bush might be the most talented 
race car driver in North America, just in terms of his versatility and can get in anything. Kyle Busch winning uh, over the weekend in California. It was Chase Elliott, Ross Chastain rounding out the top three. Uh, give me a number for yourself, Mark, one 11. through 36. But no hesitation there. Uh, number 11, Martin Truex Jr., you have won. Um, oh, you've won a lifetime supply of Reese's Fine Foods. Okay. I don't. Nice. Now, that's not as good as if it was uh, Reese's Fine Foods. Yeah, that's, that's what I, I thought you were saying. I thought that's what you were saying. I I, like, I think oh, it's how do you spell that? I think it says Reese's. Well, uh, R E Ressers, R-E-S-E-R. Do you want to look up what Fine Foods yeah, is? Yeah, yeah I would like to know. Yeah, we got one of those uh, How about you, uh, Kevin? Uh, one through 36. 22. Uh, number 22, uh, Noah Gragson. You have won a, oh, how about this, a lifetime supply of the Sun Seeker Resort. Oh, well, take a family vacation I guess there, so, sounds yes. like. Uh, getting a me. lot of potato salads here. I've got some <laughs> some scalloped potatoes, this some mac and cheese. This sounds right up the NASCAR alley, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, not, give not me Reese's, though, Mark. No. Give me a number for myself, Mark. Uh... 28. 28. Uh, you have awarded for me with Austin Cindric a lifetime supply of Menards. Hey, oh. Once I get my kitchen remodeled, you can come over with all your potatoes. That's right. <laughs> that I just want to welcome you in. What, the new facility. That commercial is going to be stuck in my head. The rest what do you of the think thing? the odds are that I would save big money at Menards and be able to actually then build any of the stuff that I'm buying? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. We'll say minimal. Yeah, Zippo. Uh, Lanesville, Lapel, Fairfield, Bedford, North Lawrence. Those are your girls' basketball state champions from the weekend. Uh, excuse me, Lanesville Forest Park, Fairfield, Bedford, North Lawrence. Lapel missed a shot at the buzzer in that two-way game. So uh, the fighting Greg Rakestraws got the W. Forest Park sounds like it'd be a suburb of Chicago, doesn't it? Yeah, down there, Park the, Forest is but down there Forest in the Park Jasper Park. region. Is that where it Forest is? Park, Park yeah, uh, Forest Park, right? Uh-huh. My parents lived in Park Forest. There you go late 60s bedford north lawrence 46 42 over fisher sectional week is here doesn't look like any snow in the forecast Uh, for don't kid yourself i drove through an ice storm from kansas city to lawrence that was completely out of left field so you never know adam schefter reporting that multiple teams have approached the bears about trading the number one overall pick and they are leaning towards moving it there's a shock so now it looks like that's going to happen also cj stroud going to throw at the combine bryce young going to wait till his pro day anthony richardson going to throw right yeah i see that Mm -hmm. as well Makes a lot of sense on the Richardson-Stroud part. I think we've talked about it for Bryce Young this week is about putting on weight, weighing in as big as you can, lose a bunch of weight, work out at your pro day coming up in about a month. Uh, We'll talk a lot about the Combine today and throughout the week, but certainly the main focus will be Indiana and Purdue coming up on today's show. Bob Kravitz, 9 o'clock, Miller Cop at 9.30. Again, a very overcast. Good luck with – boy, now I can't even see Riley Towers now that you say that. Again, Jake, visibility could be a bit of an issue. The Ivy Towers. On this Monday morning. Yes, the Ivy Towers That's here. That's right. Downtown Indianapolis. Kevin Aquary, right here on 93.5-1075, The Fan. Kind of an ugly-looking Monday morning here in Indianapolis. Pretty overcast. Rainy and windy, it sounds like. Temperature-wise, not bad, really, here all week. Combine in town later this week, back into the 40s, but feel a bit spring-like here to round out the month of February. Jake, you go back to Saturday night, and, you know, we often do this with, you know, freshmen, and, I mean, hell, we've done it with Trace Jackson Davis and Zach Eady. When I think of Jalen hood Shafino at the next level, I think, like, a little bit more athletic, more dynamic Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, that's probably a pretty good comparison. I mean... Like, mid-range-wise? Oof. That's the thing is the mid-range game is a lost art in basketball anymore, you know, more often than not. And he, you know, Hood Shafino in that game, I mean, part of it may have been, you know, was he kind of in his own, 
sure. But there's a reason why he was so highly touted coming in and why this was almost what was to be expected of him. I'm not saying a 35-point game. Yeah, on the road against your biggest rival. But being right, although this is this sounds like I'm trying to take away from his accomplishment. I'm not. Maybe it's to his advantage, Kevin. If you talk to players that from Indiana or Purdue that did not grow up in the area, a lot of times it takes them a, like a year of playing in each other's court to grasp the rivalry itself and kind of get caught up into that. So maybe he's more maybe to to Jalen Hood Shafino going into Mackey has less like nerve oomph to it than it does Brad Smith Fletcher Lawyer. Yeah, Trey Galloway, right? You know, any of those guys, right? But um but I'm going to go back to what I said off the top of the show. For those that are just joining us. That's a good question. I Two things where I, I was blatantly wrong. The first is where I said that I thought Purdue was going to win by 15 against Indiana. I mean, partially, I think I said on Friday, like, well, I said that like a month ago, so I got to stick with it. But I did think Purdue was going to win. Um, and when they got up early, I thought, yeah, they this could be a blowout. And Indiana stayed the course, and you know, Hood Shafino kept them in it without question. And I think that teams are starting to figure out how to guard Purdue and put more on Purdue's outside shooting. And if that shooting goes away, Purdue's in some trouble. And we've seen that in games. But the other area where I was totally wrong, and I don't want to get caught up in a hyperbole because of one game, but you mentioned it earlier, Kevin. You got to win. In March to win, you have to have good guards. My thought process in the first 60% of this basketball season was that Indiana was going to go as far as Trace Jackson Davis could carry them because he's had a remarkable season. But we have seen games where Trace Jackson Davis has been dynamic and the guards have struggled and Indiana did not win. Indiana can win games where Trace Jackson Davis struggles if the guards are playing dynamically. They can't win games where Trace Jackson Davis struggles or, or where Trace Jackson Davis is excellent if the guards are struggling. So Indiana now, I think you can say we were wrong, or at least I. I'll say I. I'm not going to blame anybody else. I was wrong in this. Indiana is likely not going to go as far as Trace Jackson Davis carries them. Indiana is going to go as far as Jalen Hood Shafino can carry them. Because if they get deep into the tournament and he has an off night, you know, a a three for 12 night, it's going to be rough sledding for them. And I think the looming question, and we'll see if it happens this week, home to Iowa tomorrow night, home to Michigan for senior day coming up on Sunday, is Xavier Johnson back in the lineup? for either of those two games and what does that look like because obviously that will impact some things you can look at it probably positively you could look at it with a bit of skepticism as well so that will be something definitely to keep an eye on I thought you know outside of again what Hood Shafino did which speaks for itself just the fact that they're others and we'll have one of them on at 930 Miller Cop what Miller Cop and Trey Galloway gave them offensively Jake they combined for six threes there's a lot of things Matt Painter could have pointed to before the start of the game that you're like, oh, wow, we're going to shoot that many foul shots? Oh, we're going to out-rebound him by that? We're going to hold Trace Jackson Davis to that? Like, check, check, check. He would have felt great. Right. But then if you would have showed him Galloway and Cop combined for six threes, that's where he probably pauses and is like, oh, boy, that is not what I expect 
on the road, let alone Huchifino, a guy that had struggled on the road this season. With the win, Indiana uh, clinches over 500 in the Big Ten. It's kind of wild, Jake. It's the first time in seven years. IU will finish a year with a better than 500 record in the Big Ten. You know, <clears throat> you look at it and you say, because Indiana was so good in that game, and you think, wow, Indiana's really coming together here at the right time. Well, they'd lost two or three coming in. So this writes the ship for them, but they still need to find that consistency. Purdue, on the other hand, you know, kudos to Purdue. I mean, they still, with you know, yesterday with the result of Northwestern's game, Purdue <clears throat> clinches at least a tie for the Big Ten. A huge accomplishment. They've been ranked number one. I don't know. If they, have they been ranked number one more weeks than anyone else this season? It would be close, yeah, right? I would think so, but yeah, it probably is close. Um, but twenty-four and five now, thirteen and five overall. But Purdue, having lost now three or four, and teams are starting to guard them as if they are more familiar with them. Maybe advantage Purdue in the tournament because teams are still getting a you know you're facing teams that are getting a first glimpse at you for the most part. But early in the year when Purdue was just rolling, you know I think people were completely taken aback by Zach Eady in particular and how to guard him, especially with where Purdue was getting outside play that was off, you know, that was playing off of Eady. Now people are figuring out, you know what, we're just going to let the guards beat us. And if, if Lawyer, Smith, and, and in particular Gillis are not hitting from the outside, then Eady's big numbers, people are kind of letting him have that, right? Uh, Tracy joins us to talk about Purdue. Good morning, Tracy. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing fine. Thanks. Hey, I'm just. Uh, I just think Matt Painter gets a lot of, a lot of great pub for a guy that's never been in the Final Four, had a heck of a lot of talent. And I thought he got out coached bad Saturday night. Uh, I'll respectfully disagree a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, you're right. He's never been to a Final Four. Not stop Huchifino the other night. The whole game, he okay. didn't come up with a game plan to stop him. Stop him from going into the paint. Stop him from driving. Stop him doing anything. Well, I don't – Tracy, here's the thing, and, and stay with me here. I, I get it, right? But Hood Shafino, number one, I mean, that was a, a historic night from an Indiana standpoint. I don't know that you could say that, that Painter couldn't stop him. I mean, certainly it was more so that, that Purdue didn't have players – you know, Hood Shafino's he's going to be playing in the NBA in a year, right? I mean, this is not, it's not like some guy that nobody had ever heard of came in there. He's an elite level player. It does not isolate to Purdue as a, a school that is unable to, to stop him in his mid range game, right? I think what they were trying to do, obviously, early was eliminate Trace Jackson Davis, and they did that. And when it comes to Painter, I, I get it. I get the, the lack of Final Four. I mean, I, that's fair, I guess. A year ago, Purdue lost a guy that was a top 10 pick in the NBA, and yet they came back this year with two freshman epicenter players and are better than they were a year ago. Well, I mean, And an All-American in Trayvon Williams. Yeah. I mean, Painter can coach. I, was he outcoached in that game? I, yeah, maybe. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if I would go that far. Sometimes, guys, coaches can only do so much. They can draw up game plans, but if guys can – I mean – it's not because of lack of, of schematic design that Jalen Hutchfino went off, in my opinion. Yeah, I think if you go back and watch that, I think Ethan Morton, who had the defensive assignment early on on Hutchfino, clearly is trying to force him left. Like that's that's the thing. All right, let's force him left. He gets that right hand. He's able to be so effective. That did not work. Um, he got to his left hand and proved that he could score at, at a really really high level. Um, I think a world of credit goes to Mike Woodson and. 
where I think you've seen growth is how they've handled the double teams towards Trey Jackson Davis to where he can have, you know, kind of that quiet. I mean, first bucket or first points is what, 30 minutes into the game? And yet there are others around him have gotten confident over the course of the season and again doing it away from home and just in general with how Mike Woodson has looked at this matchup with Purdue and you know he's three and one in these four games and I know a lot of them been really close and certainly both games last year could have gone either way uh, when, when you think about it but the fact that you now for the first time in a while in Bloomington have a coach that has I think you know maybe not Embrace the rivalry is the right right word, but has certainly put a team on the floor that can go toe to toe with you know one of the most consistent teams in the Big Ten, if not the most consistent team in the Big Ten over the last handful of years. That's huge, and that is not what you had previously before Woodson's arrival. And you know, I felt this just in general, Jake. Whether it was this Saturday or go back a couple Saturdays ago in Bloomington. Again, for people in like my age range to see a ranked number next to Indiana and Purdue in this matchup is so foreign. Yeah. And to get it twice in a year, I think it was the first time since, I want to say it was like 98, 99, you had had ranked matchups, both of them. You got to go back, I think, a handful of years earlier to have one of those teams in the top 10 for both of those matchups, obviously Purdue being that. Um, it almost seems like and I don't know if we're quite there yet, but as March arrives, are we back to the preseason? And if I bet you, if you pulled audio from us, Jake, in early November, it was Indiana legit second weekend, Purdue, that would be a big success to get right. the second You're weekend. You're right. Are, are, are we there? And I'm very, we'll ask Bob Kravitz this at 9 o'clock. I'm very torn on this, Jake. If Purdue goes out, they've already won the Big Ten. Let's say they go out and they win... I don't know, a game in the Big Ten tournament, and let's say they get to the Sweet 16 and bow out. How do you view this Purdue season? Well, Purdue would be being judged against an expectation that they created for them, and I say that in a good way. In other words, to your point, it was over the course of the year that Purdue's elite-level accomplishments raised the bar for Purdue, and thus people be like, oh, what a disappointment. Is it? Is it? Or did they themselves create that expectation because they exceeded what anybody thought they were going to be this year to begin with? You know, I I do think that <clears throat> Purdue needs, to, in, a, in a big hurry here, Purdue's got to find some consistency and their outside game because as it stands right now, Purdue is, is essentially, if they're going to beat you, they're going to beat you one way. And, you know, in Indiana's case, we've seen that Indiana can beat you two ways. Uh, they, But against elite level competition, I think Indiana needs guard play as well. They just, it looks like now they're starting to get it. But again, Hood Shafino, one game and he was unbelievable. And, and certainly you know that it's there, but can they now consistently get that, Kevin? That's going to be the question. You, Jake, you can boil so much of Saturday down to me just strictly from behind the arc. And if you would have told, you know, I think we're used to this in college basketball. The home team typically shoots better than the road team. I hate to, like, simplify it down to that, but typically that's what happens. Like, Tamar Bates had an 18-point game in Assembly Hall this year. He's not sniffing that on the road. Right. Typically your guys shoot better at home. Indiana, 46% from behind the arc Saturday night. Purdue, 21%. I mean, if you just boil it down to one aspect of the game, 
that is not what I would have expected at I mean, all entering Saturday night. But yeah. Trey Galloway and Miller Cop outside of Huchifino, if you can get that in March, this is certainly a team that can get all the way to Houston. I'll tell you what, when when Purdue jumped out to the early lead, I thought to myself, boy, this this thing may collapse quickly. Those were their chances. When they had Indiana's bigs in foul trouble, they got to the bonus. That, I thought, was the ability to, if you push it to 8 or 10, and when you didn't do that, and then IU jumped on them those first few minutes, you know, if you want to talk about coaching, Mike Woodson, I know he emphasizes this a ton, those first few minutes of the second half, that was a the difference. They punched Purdue right in the mouth there before that first media timeout, and when they took that lead and Galloway started turning Braden Smith over, you just felt like it was going to snowball, and it, and it did. The other thing that Shafino's breakout does... Not only does it, I think, cement him as a first-round pick, and I think at this point he's probably moving his way up in the draft. Oh, I think he's top half of the first round. Correct. Um, but that's good news for Indiana because from a recruiting standpoint, you know, when Mike Woodson was hired as the head coach at Indiana, what was the what was the selling point? Well, this is a guy that has NBA experience and can help guys get to the NBA. And from a recruiting standpoint, and, and you know, certainly – Purdue could do this with Jaden Ivey from a year ago, but from a recruiting standpoint, Jalen Hutchfino, when he came to Indiana, everybody knew he was coming to Indiana to get himself into the NBA, and that that's going to happen. So if you're Mike Woodson, you're going into kids' houses now, oh, and you're boy. saying, look. Without doubt. You know what I mean? What? Well, and Jake, you're going to do it in the transfer portal next year. Correct. Well, they're going to have to next year. I mean, you're going to have to live in the portal, and think about where he came from, too, Jake. He came from Mount Verde Academy, which by all accounts is one of the handful of schools that produces the most or the highest amount of D1 kids right, right now. If you've created some sort of pipeline, which, I mean, that has got to leave a great impression when you now, talk about moving. The other half of that, and I've a lot of people tell me they still think Malik Renew is going to be a really good player at Indiana, and he may. But I haven't seen it yet. A lot of fouls. A lot of fouls for Malik Renew. We'll continue the Indiana-Purdue conversation coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Again, Bob Kravitz at 9, 9.30, Miller Cop. We'll hit on a little bit of Combine stuff. I know I wasn't with you guys last week to touch on the Bubba Ventrone departure. Do have some thoughts on that. Again, we'll be at the Combine Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. It is a very overcast Monday here in Indianapolis. Sounds like some rain, sounds like some winds, safe travels out there. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton right here on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Every once in a while, and by the way, good Monday morning to you. A little foggy out there. It's going to be uh, a rainy day today on a Monday. Jake Quarry along with Mark Dykton, Kevin Bowen. Kevin back from Florida. Mark Dykton uh, flying the ship for us. And Kevin... Every once in a while, I think Adam Schefter is really good at what he does. Every once in a while, he sends something out and everybody goes gaga. And you're like, like Adam Schefter literally could be like, in Indianapolis, it's going to be rainy today, so the roads might be wet. No kidding. Uh, I, this kind of falls into that category with his tweet this morning that, but I guess we're talking about it, that the Chicago Bears have been approached by numerous teams about the number one overall pick and they are open to shopping it. I, that is like the least surprising news ever, one would think. But that does have – and I would assume Indianapolis is one of those teams that has probably made a phone call, Kevin. But uh, the Colts have to be well aware of the fact that there could be a mystery team that comes in and swoops in to get the number one pick for quarterback purposes. And that affects what Indianapolis's game plan might be. 
Was the phrase leaning toward, Mark? Was that what Schefter also added Correct. in there? Yep. Leaning toward. The Bears leaning toward trading out of that first overall pick. Um, again, if everything over the next two months, you take it with a grain of salt because it is skepticism draft, lying season, another way you could put it. But I, I would be, I think if you're the Bears, you should be trading back. Hell, you could trade back multiple times if you want to trade back with Houston. I think something to keep in mind, Jake, over the next couple of months, and again, this is the first this week, later this week, when the Colts sit down and meet with these quarterbacks, 15-minute sessions, face-to-face, first time that Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard as a you know pair will be able to do this. This will be the first time the Colts ever start to, I think, really put a little bit of Sharpie on who they like from a quarterback standpoint. It's still kind of a rough sketch on who you like, but that's what this week is about more than any sort of workout or measurable anything. It's, you know, I, I know there's some cliche with this, but a lot of this week is about above the neck. And that's a big deal when you're trying to separate and, you know, fine tooth comb through these quarterback prospects. I do think, Jake, something to reiterate over the next couple of months and why I am a fan of the Colts trading up. With Houston sitting there at two, another question you have to ask yourself if you don't trade up, are you willing to potentially face the guy that you like for the next 10 to 12 years in your division? It's good, yeah. Because the Texans are sitting there at two, and they've got more ammo. If you ask Mark, Mark would probably want to see the Bears trade back with Chicago. Than, or excuse me, the Bears trade back with Houston than he would Indianapolis because Houston's got the 12th pick. Mm-hmm. And if that could factor into things, that to me, I if I were a Bears fan, I'd rather get the 12th pick than get Kenny Moore or insert your Colt player that a lot of people just think they can cast off towards the Bears. So I think that is something to add to it. It's not just that the Colts are sitting there at four and they've got three teams above them. One of the teams above them is the team in your division that has a lot more draft ammo than you do. The other team that's a curveball in all this, Kevin, to me, is Arizona. Because now Arizona's in a pretty good situation, though, because Arizona could look at it and say, look, we don't need a quarterback. So we have our pickings here of the best non quarterback in the draft, whether it's defensive, you know, whatever it might be, if you're Arizona. Or if you're Arizona, you may say, you know what? We can trade back a couple of spots and still get a really good non-defensive player where we're going to fall back and, and get some assets as well. And they've got a new GM and a new coach. Yeah, and and they seemingly are taking care of a quarterback, right? Yeah, I think they are a good team to point out, obviously, um, with them sitting there at three. So uh, quarterbacks will work out later this week. For those that missed it earlier, the, the report is Bryce Young will not work out. I don't think that is a surprise to anyone. I think this week for Bryce Young, first off, he was a little banged up at Alabama this past year. Secondly, I think a big part of this week is just he's trying to put on a lot of weight, get that situation solved, then lose that weight, come back to the pro day and work out. Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud uh, will throw. I, again, I know we're kind of getting into the weeds of this. Uh Jake, the quarterbacks throw alphabetically. That's how they decide like who throws. Anthony Richardson, I believe, will throw right before C.J. Stroud. I, if you're like an agent, that is kind of like a nitpicky thing. If you're C.J. Stroud's agent, you're probably like, oh, man, my guy has to throw right after the big arm guy that is right. going to look great in shorts and a T-shirt is throwing. So I do think that's kind of a little bit of a wrinkle to keep an eye on. Uh, again, Chris Ballard, Shane Steichen will meet the media on Wednesday. We'll be over there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Should have Steichen join us 
um, later I, in the week. You know, I'm not going to sit there and watch the workouts, right? I'm not at the combine. I realized that as I – and I predicted, Kevin, while you were gone last week, I'm like, you're going to hear a ton of – Will Levis and Anthony Richardson are going to be the guys that people are like, oh, teams are falling in love with their arm talent, their athleticism. They're skyrocketing up the board. Inside word and chatter is that Will Levis, reports say that Anthony Richardson, number one overall, may be better. All that's going to take place. If the Colts called me and said, Jake, Chris Ballard's under the weather. Jim Mersey's off at an auction. We need you to go make the pick. I'm telling you right now, I would take C.J. Stroud. I think I, I. So you're third in line behind Ballard and Ursay in that scenario. Well, who would be ahead of me? <laughs> the GM and the owners out. Call Jake Query. That guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know how many miles it is to that wind farm. He knows. Well, he can throw <laughs> the ball to the to the wind farm. That's I right. think C.J. Stroud is probably the the safest choice. I know that comes with a negative connotation, but to me, he probably has the less question. I think you know the most about him. Uh, again, I'm Team Bryce Young. I get the hype, but that's where I would lie. Um, I do want to get back into the Indiana-Purdue conversation here in just a second, but uh, did you, or did you guys, I'm, I'm sure you did chat about it. Do you think Bubba Ventrone is much of a loss? Is it... Special teams, that's the time to go get a beer on the concourse. We don't really care about special teams. Where do you lie on the Bubba Ventrone front? Clearly, he must have been pretty good at what he was doing. But I'm also old enough to remember when, like, I couldn't have, nor could anybody in the stands name the special teams coach. But I, and I. Is that a credit to him that he's created a name for himself? I, I think part of it is just the era that we live in now. You know what I mean? Um, I think it takes a special skill set to be able to find the guys that are like lower on the roster that you think Correct. can make impacts of that caliber. And I think it takes a special skill set, Mark, to – when you are the special teams coordinator, Kevin, you know this, and we talked about this last week, you're the guy that is oftentimes finding out like on Wednesday who the last two guys are going to be in your unit, right? Because they're making they're, – they're tweaking the roster and whatever else. And so they're – a lot of times the guys that, that are your – unit are the ones that are suddenly inactive or they are waived at the last minute to make room for a lineman that you need or whatever it may be so you have i think the necessity to be flexible in your coaching is most important at special teams coordinator than elsewhere and clearly he was very good at that yeah so i I think it would be naive to say it's not a loss right i think it is a loss i I think it's a, a rather notable loss i mean if you're going to talk about any Colts unit that has been consistently an above-average unit in the last five to six years, you would say the special teams unit. And really, the only year it wasn't is when Adam Vinatieri was, I mean, hell, kicking balls that looked like it was going to hit the red garter at, at times during that 2019 season. You know, there have been guys that have hit the red garter, I think, right? Yep. Or, or the tiki, white tiki bobs, more or the so, white though. castle across the street. If I'm <laughs> not mistaken, don't judge. Um, I <laughs> I think coaching matters and special teams more. To Mark's point, there's so much turnover on that unit. You, you rarely keep the special teams guys together on a two to three year basis. Right. Those guys evolve. Like Zaire Franklin went from core special team early in his career. Now, do hell, we can't take him off the field from a defensive standpoint. So, um, I also felt like Ventrone 
had a little bit of a different personality, more of that accountability trait, more of that demonstrative sort of personality that I think guys covet and guys gravitate towards, players gravitate towards. Um, so I, I, I do think it is a loss. Again, the special teams unit, you know, is it as impactful as offense or defense? No, but when you talk about easily the most consistent unit for the Colts over the last few years and a group that has created big plays. I mean, it's not just like, oh yeah, our field position is really good. Like, they've had big returns and big blocks, and there has been a lot of turnover with that. So I I, I do think Bubba is a loss. I'm curious Um, if he just wanted to go back home to Cleveland too, because he was at Shane Steichen's introductory press conference, so did something happen between now and then where he's like, yeah, I guess maybe Steichen wants to hire his own guy, or was he like, hey, I had this opportunity at Cleveland open up that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, obviously he's a Pittsburgh guy, so a little bit closer to home, and then, you know, Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they say assistant head coach for the Uh, title? He got got that added. Yeah, so I mean, I would take bump and pay, right? From a title and pay standpoint, that is something to point out, and, and I don't know. You know, are there hard feelings with you know him being passed over? Did he get a second interview? You know, he, he had that initial interview for the head coaching yeah, gig. Know. You know, was that an issue for him? So that's something Shane Steichen has got to figure out this week too. Balancing the combine and then finalizing this coaching staff because we still um, have got a lot of spots open. I was curious about this. You mentioned Adam Vinatieri a second ago, and we had him on just prior to the Super Bowl, and. Well, two things. Number one, um, he was coming on to promote that DiGiorno's Pizza Doink or whatever. Yeah, uh uh-huh. DiGiorno Doinks. I I signed up for that, and a guy did doink, and I've never heard anything. Was I supposed to follow up? Really? Smart move by you. I know. I signed up too, but I And then secondly, there was some sort of a like widely advertised promotion with Rob Gronkowski that was supposed to be done during the Super Bowl. Whatever happened to that? That happened. It did. He missed I it. I thought Gronk made the kick. It looked like he was made it. A, it. Was it live or was it just like it a tape? It was live, but they I don't know how it live, was live it was. Yeah, I, I don't think it was live. It was during the third quarter. Was that right, Mark? Yeah. One of the commercial breaks in the third quarter. It like looked like some like little virtual, almost looked like a video game. Um, but yeah, he did kick. But yeah, you need to check in on that. <laughs> I'd love to, if you could, maybe bring some in. Okay. Nice ten o'clock lunch one day. Yeah, I don't know what I'm like. It's, you're supposed to get a free pizza, right? I, I signed up. I think I did. I know Justin's been hanging in there, wanted to get back into the IU Purdue conversation. Jalen Hood Shafino related. Justin, good Monday morning to you, man. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. I uh, just wanted to touch in reference to the last caller who said Painter got out coached. I would say. You start the game, you obviously want to take away Trace Jackson Davis, and and you probably want to make Hood Chavino shoot a mid-range jumper. That's your key to success. So then you get to halftime and you say, hey, this guy's hitting everything. What do we do? Well, you're surely not letting Trace Jackson Davis get open because Hood Chavino will make that pocket pass. So then you drop people off the wing and leave Cop and Galloway open who have already been hitting shots. So... I don't think Painter got out coached. I think you tip your hood, tip your hat to Hood, and say the guy had an incredible game, and there's really nothing you're going to do about it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think with Indiana, the thing about Indiana that is so intriguing is exactly that. When they click on all cylinders, like you very aptly just stated, when you've especially when you've got and one of the more under little talked about things and Miller Cop's going to join us on the program by the way just over an hour from now at 9 30 
But one of the underrated aspects of Indiana so far this year, Kevin, has been in the last month or so, the three-point development of, of Galloway. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. that's been... You know, he battled that wrist injury. I think there are a lot of questions just health-wise. Was that impacting his form? Um, and he uh, he shot it great. And then again, to do it away from home. I mean, for Galloway and Cop to each hit three threes on Saturday was huge. Like, Jake, I was stunned that I was asking myself this question, but I was. During the second half on Saturday, I'm asking myself, when does Matt Painter stop doubling Trace Jackson Davis? Yeah, I mean... Because it's the whole, are you going to live and die by twos or threes? And I've brought this up before, and you know, I know people will laugh at the Notre Dame basketball reference, perfectly acceptable. Mike Bray has always been a believer, Jake. We're not going to double the post. Because I can live with twos, but I don't think we can overcome a slew of threes. And that's just his philosophy. And now, to be fair, they don't have a ton of big guys that you know can necessarily handle that but they have been big believers in we are going to guard the arc and we're going to try and single team the post and if you think about the indiana scattering report particularly away from home you're thinking to yourself double trace he's the one that shows up every road game not hutchifino not cop not galloway so i understand painters thinking they obviously tried to force hutchifino left should they have gone away from the double maybe a little bit earlier probably and i mean zach Eady is obviously going to be the national player of the year. I think he has cemented that at this point. But defensively, when you involve him in some ball screens like Indiana did, there is not he's not going to switch on to Jalen Huchifino. That's not going to end well. So there is a bit of a liability on that. And I, I think if you want to nitpick Purdue coaching-wise, and I know this is a painter core philosophy and he would laugh at even the suggestion of it, but Jake, I am curious, when will we see teams get back to we're going to zone Indiana for 40 minutes. Yeah. I mean... Now, Indiana shot it pretty well, I, but I, I think zones, it, it it's a little different shooting against zones versus, you know, the whole swinging around the horn out of double teams. You know, when do we see that? And again, I know that goes against everything that Matt Painter pretty much believes in on the defensive end, but with Edie, it's like, man, if he's a liability in space, don't you just kind of let him sit in the middle of the zone and see if that could work, but... Uh, clearly, uh, they did not go to that. I, I think, Kevin, Hood Shafino is an elite-level talent. He has not consistently played like an elite-level talent from a scoring standpoint this year, but you knew it was there. And whether it was Mike Woodson working with them, whether it was other players opening up the floor because they started shooting from the outside more, whether it was teams doubling Trace Jackson Davis, whatever it might be, Jalen Hood Shafino in that game at Purdue, there are a lot of things you can point towards in that game, but Matt Painter and ineptitude from Matt Painter as to how to defensively draw up something to shut him down is not one of the things I would go with. I I think Painter is, it goes without saying, a fine, fine coach, and, and I think it's very unfair, and I'm saying this only because it was brought up earlier on the program. I just think it's unfair to judge a coach, especially a coach that's still in his prime, based on a lack of Final Four appearances. I mean, you know, Dean Smith is one of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball that went to a ton of Final Fours, but what did he win? Two titles? Is that right? I, You know, I mean, 
There's a lot that goes into it, man. There's a lot that goes into getting to that level. I think one to thing get into the final four. Painter's got to figure out here in the next couple of weeks is just obviously Brain Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, and Zach Eady are the three constants for you, minutes wise, you know, probably scoring wise. What about those other two spots? Like when Ethan Morton is struggling defensively, and again, it's understandably so such a liability for you offensively. And I know he makes some plays as a passer and moves the ball well. You know, when Gillis is not hitting threes, when first is not, I mean, first is just kind of a, he's almost just a scrapper for you. It, it just, Purdue is putting kind of two non-threats out there offensively, whereas you watch Indiana on Saturday night, and again, maybe this was just the anomaly on the road, but they had threats all over the floor, especially when they took Ray Thompson off the floor, and they went heavy guard, and with what Cop and Galloway did, you could argue, you could make the argument what Cop and Galloway did, that combination, Jake, might have been more impressive than what Jalen Huchifino did Saturday night. Right. Which is just kind of crazy to say, but with both of them giving you that, woo. Uh, Fran McCaffrey get teed up in the first 10 minutes tomorrow night? That's, <laughs> he's an odd dude, isn't he? <laughs> I, I just crack up. Way to say it. Hey, did he spur the comeback for his team? I mean... They were down what ten with sixty five seconds left. They hit. Uh, was it seven threes they hit in the final few minutes? Something like that. It'll be Iowa inside of Assembly Hall tomorrow night. It's a seven o'clock tip. Purdue is at the Kohl Center coming up Thursday. Purdue just needs one win for the outright Big Ten title. It's at Wisconsin Thursday, and then they round out the season. Who does Purdue have to close out the year? Got it right here. Don't you – Scotty works so hard to build those schedules for Fighting us. Fighting Illini. That's who they've got. You know what I decided uh, over the weekend? Sunday, 1230 I'm from revising. Matthew. I had said Fighting Illini. Uh-huh. Iowa's going to win the Big Ten tournament. Really? Second year in a row for yeah, the Hawkeyes? That's, or Michigan. Michigan's the other one that I could see winning. Well, pick somebody. Tournament. Gosh, yeah. Okay, I'll go with Michigan. Fine. Fine. Michigan. Michigan wins the Big Ten tournament. It's always some team you least expect, right? Wouldn't you think right now Indiana's the favorite? Like if you looked at betting odds? By the way, that DiGiorno doinks, it says you should have gotten an email if you won the pizza. Not everyone got a pizza. So if you got an email from them. Excuse me? Yeah. So I didn't get one. Well, that wait means a minute. You didn't this, sounds like, this sounds like when I was in high school. I won't say any names because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. There was one guy that was known for doing the NCAA tournament pool. You'd see him in the hallway and everybody was buying. Oh, you got to call him out. And then, literally, you know, North Central is a school of 4,000 kids. So after the tournament, 1989, Michigan wins it. And everybody's like, Ryan, who won the pool? And he's like, a guy in my study hall. Mm. Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I run a master's pool. And, you know, there's some chirpers that would be like, is that a real name that you've created that's won no! the pool? <laughs> Mark, would you like to be in it? I would like to be in it, actually. By the way, thank you. I just got this text. Can you guys did I say this? Hey Jake, I disagree with you that Gillis is not a threat. He's forty percent from three point range. Did I say he's not a threat? I said if they're not, if those guys aren't Right. He was not on Saturday night. If their game tapers off, that's what I'm saying is Purdue needs him to be that guy. But if they have off nights, that's where Purdue struggles. No yeah. odds for Big Ten champion. Right, by the way. Yeah, well, you got nope. to probably wait for the bracket. That was probably a dumb comment by, by me. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to double Edie, of course, you got to put shooters around him. And Gillis has certainly had nights and has shot it well this season, but Saturday night was not one of those. And if you look early second half, again, that's where it got away from Purdue. 
if you just look at those first like five or six minutes of the second half, it was Morton, Gillis, and First all missing open looks. Great looks. Other end of the floor, Galloway and Cop hitting big shots. Galloway turning Brain Smith over as well. Um, and that is where that halftime deficit of four turned to really a in-control Indiana lead throughout the final 15 minutes of the game. Caleb First, not related to Dave First. For the five of you listening that were wondering. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Thank you. Yeah. I, I want to know the, the... See some similarities, though. I want to yeah. know the family tree of Farkas. That's what I want to know. Chris Farkas? Yeah. Oh, boy. Let's say that for a mid... Father's Mike Farkas, brother a, Scott. A mid-July show. Mother is the former Ann Scott of New Albany. What else would you like to know? I, I need to know everything about this man. <laughs> Bob Kravitz at 9, Miller Cop at 9.30. We'll continue to take some calls. Time for a morning checkdown. <laughs> The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake 35 for the freshman in West Lafayette on Saturday night. Jalen hood Shafino only hit 1-3. It's not like he got to the foul line a million times. The mid-range game was pretty unstoppable. And one of the more historic performances you'll ever see in an Indiana uniform, particularly in this rivalry. Afterwards, Mike Woodson commented on Jalen Huchifino. It was an unbelievable display of basketball for him. I mean, I thought he played 40 minutes and, you know, get the ball where he's got to go offensively, have to defend, you know, uh, and then put the ball in the hole. Man, he had a tremendous game for us. I mean, and we needed it. I mean, uh, Trace, you know, they just weren't going to let him play. He got in foul trouble a little bit and gave us some positive minutes the second half, but we didn't get a whole lot out of him in the first half because they just, you know, they weren't, they just wasn't letting him play. And but everybody filled in around him. I just, you know, I thought coming in the half, uh, the shot that they made before the half, you know, we got off to such a slow start, man. And, and then we just, our defense got us back in it, and we just was hanging around. And in the second half, man, it was just an unbelievable combination of defense and putting the ball in the bucket. You know, when when you think about what Mike Woodson looked like as a player, his voice sounds nothing like what he looked like when he was a player at Indiana. Just thought I'd throw that kicks some ass. <laughs> That's right. Uh, up next for Indiana, Tuesday, Iowa, as Kevin had mentioned, at the Assembly Hall. Kind of feels like it could be a letdown trap game. We'll find out more about that. Miller Kopp going to join us in just over an hour from now. For Purdue, it is now up in Madison Thursday to take on the Badgers before they round out their home schedule on Sunday with Illinois. So that is the look ahead for all teams. In college basketball yesterday, Missouri State over Indiana State, Illinois State over Evansville, and Murray State over Valparaiso in state action. I mentioned earlier, Caitlin Clark, the game winner for Iowa over Indiana. It was a little reminiscent of the Reggie Miller shot, I thought, against the Bulls there. Kind of similar angle, fading to a right. Uh, pretty uh, special game, really a great game, back and forth between Iowa and IU yesterday. How was Terry Morn last week, by the she way? She was I meant great. To ask you guys. Big Mellencamp fan, apparently. She was great. Seymour um, native, correct? That is correct, yes. Yeah, she was really good. And, you know, for won. for the Indiana women, um, still Big Ten champions. So yep. you'd like to have still that Still number one, one seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing nothing to be alarmed at, but a great game He's yesterday. very, very upset you haven't seen Mellencamp in concert yet. Have you seen Mellencamp in concert, Kevin? No. Yeah, see. Did I see he was at the IU Auditorium or yep, Buskirk Chumley mm-hmm. Theater, one yeah. of those? Have you I think seen that's it, what Mark? spurred our conversation about it. Yeah. No, I have not. 
tomorrow night, it'll be the Pacers back in action. They are in Dallas to take on the Mavericks. That'll be an 8.30 tip. It's a 10-day road trip for the Pacers right now. Uh, they got a road win on Saturday, the first time in over two months. And, you know, Not to be selfish, guys. Three wins away. I told you. It's a lock, Kev. What did we say? You We, we predicted it was going to be... You guys have picked a game? We, I think we said it was going to be Philly on the 18th when you get your 30th win, right? Boy, Philly? Well, here's the thing. So they go, look at their upcoming schedule, okay? At Dallas, at San Antonio is a possibility. That, that's a real possibility. Uh, at Chicago, then Philly at home. Houston at home, they should get that game. Houston's terrible. But then they go at Detroit back-to-back, at Milwaukee, and then Philly at home. I, I, I think I'd be shocked if you don't have it wrapped up by... March 14th. I, I'm got to be by, well, which is my brother's birthday. I mean, That'd Philly's good, but I'm shocked if you don't. Between the Spurs, Bulls, St. and Patrick's the Day, correct? Spurs, Bulls, Rockets, and Pistons twice. I mean, come on. We got to have a party the day after that happens. PBR. <laughs> Miles Turner, 24 on Saturday night. Jordan Wara off the bench, 18, 8, and 5. Benedict Matherin with 19. Tyrese Halliburton, 14 assists and 2 turnovers. Jake, the big news last night in the NBA, though, Damian Lillard. 71 points last night. He had 41 at the half. Uh, Damian Lillard with really a historic night, no question about it. What did I see? That's like the ninth highest scoring total or something like that in league history, but absolutely in a zone. I mean, oftentimes you see a guy that'll get out to some start and get, you know, 41 at the half and then end up with, you know, 48 for the game or something like that, but not the case. 30 in the second half. As Portland defeated Houston 131-114 last night. That game was in Portland. The Nuggets, Warriors, Kings, Cavs, Lakers, Bulls, Hawks, and Bucks all with wins yesterday. Wilt, David Thompson, and Kobe, the only ones that have scored more. So than okay, Damian so it's Lillard. the fourth highest. I didn't realize it's the wow. Did Donovan Mitchell also have seventy one this year or was that seven? No, hold on. What about David Robinson? He had over seventy? Mark, can you look up David Robinson career high? I'm going to say that he had a 71 or 72 point game in the so final this was more than game 71. of a regular season. Maybe that's what it is. 71 points for Robinson. Mm-hmm. More than 71 is Wilt, David Thompson, and Kobe. Okay, there you go. Uh, April 24th, 1994, he went off for a career high 70, career high and franchise record 71 points against the LA Clippers. Does it count if it's against the Clippers in 1994? It might. I think so. Like Eric Piatkowski and. Chris Kamen. Chris Kamen. Chris Kamen. In 94? Kamen. No, Kamen was Kamen a little was, wasn't even at Western Michigan or Central Michigan, wherever the hell he played. Uh, something like that. Miller Cop in an hour. Bob Kravitz at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. Kevin and Query here on a gloomy Monday. It's a day back in the saddle for all three of us because Mark Dykton spent the weekend visiting his parents in Chicago, the Chicago area. Kevin, you were with your parents in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I went to the Kansas-West Virginia game in Lawrence. Which, by the way, one little fun fact about Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas. Very Hinkle-esque. We sat in the, literally the, well, I, I said the top row. I think there were two rows behind us. But in each corner of Allen Fieldhouse, they have an extra row of essentially bleachers which is what we were sitting in. So literally sitting on, I can't tell you the last time I went to a sporting event to a sporting event and sat on a bench with the seat number painted on it. But in Allen Fieldhouse, only the middle section are seats. The rest of the arena, no matter how low you go, are bleachers. 
Really? Like, like just like Hinkle back in yesteryear. Does Hinkle have any bleachers still in the upper levels? Or is it seats all the way through? I will find out tomorrow night for you. I you think going? I'm, I think I'm up in those sections. Yeah, tomorrow night. Um, um, Taking my nephew to the game. But sixteen thousand, it seats roughly at Allen Fieldhouse. So the the upper level of it is not really that high up. I, I mean, it's it's a pretty good seat, really. Uh, Butler Marquette tomorrow night over at Hinkle six thirty tip. Jake, if you want to talk about the best win on Purdue's resume, it's Marquette. Yes. <laughs> Remember that game early in the year? It was like, you know, it was a Big East, Big Ten, Gavit games or whatever they call them. And, you know, at the time you're thinking Marquette, you know, how good are they going to be this year? Marquette is ranked 10th in the nation. Do they still do – do you remember how big a deal the RPI used to be? Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, now it's the net, right? Yeah. Gonzaga's not a bad win for Purdue, right? No, I, I mean, Purdue has pl- you know, plenty of fine wins, particularly but you're right. away from home. The, the Marquette game – at the time, it was like, yeah, okay, so Purdue beat a middling right. Big East. And, I mean, they are, they've had an unbelievable year. I am curious. And, again, Indiana still has a ways to go with this. On two home games this week for IU, Iowa tomorrow night, Michigan for Senior Day coming up this weekend. Obviously, the Big Ten tournament to follow. Jake, can we be looking at Indiana on the three line? If Indiana wins the Big Ten tournament, are they on the two? I think Indiana's... St- if they win the Big Ten tournament, let me rephrase that, Kevin. If they get to the Big Ten tournament title game, because oftentimes, if you recall, the Big Ten tournament title game is the last game to be played. So the result of that often doesn't factor into the the bracket release because they're they're doing it just then. And it's Chicago, right, this year for the men? I think that's yep. right. Mm-hmm. Chicago for the Big Ten tournament. Um, Louisville is that region here in the Midwest. Kansas City, New York, Louisville, and Vegas. Those are the four regions. Sweet 16, Elite Eight. So if you're Purdue, you're looking at Tennessee. I mean, a little bit of Indiana. You know, those would kind of be um, where you're looking as far as where you're going to slot Midwest-wise. Columbus is one of the early Round sites. Don't think we're gonna have to worry about any state schools in the old playing game this year like we had to last year. You know, I'm Indiana happy that the Notre Dame. I'm happy the folks in Louisville will finally get a chance to watch some good college basketball this year. Good for them, right? <laughs> that was a quality win for Notre Dame earlier this year. <laughs> beating Louisville. Uh-huh. Now Notre Dame, will they go to like the I think they they get a they got a chance to get hot in the ACC tournament. I think they have to win five games and five nights in the ACC tournament. What are they? They got to call up Randolph Childress or somebody to suddenly catch fire for them. Jerry McNamara. Jerry McNamara. Yeah. yeah. It's Devendorf for Syracuse jumping on a scorer's table. Uh, Joel asks this: Are we sure the Colts' next quarterback will be in the building this week? Uh, Joel, I'd be stunned if the Colts don't draft a quarterback. Stunned with their first round pick. Aaron Rodgers. Would you no, take him? I don't know. I no. Packers suck. I. I Rogers, great talent. You think he came out of that cave? It's like Indianapolis is calling. I, I need to fill Kevin, in for Matt. You've got to commit to the future. You weren't here last week, Kevin, when we talked about this, but it is the. It, it, I, I'm a cynic, and at times my patience probably is not as great as it should be. Um, is the Aaron Rodgers thing just played out or is it just me no i i think we're approaching that and, and i i like roger's talent a lot i do too he's a great player um, i was told that him and danica had a date at a nearby restaurant you know where mama carolla's is that is it nicole taylor's is that the 
pasta place right there at 54th and the Monon. Now, they had this date when? Well, this had been several years ago, Oh, right? I thought you meant, yeah. Uh, Nicole Taylor's. So it's like a make-your-own-pasta place right there at 54th. Have you been to the new Breadworks at 54th and the Monon? No, there's a there's another Italian restaurant across from Mama Carolla's. And it, uh, it means, Diavola? It means devil in Italian. Yeah, I went there. Um, so it's in that strip mall, if you want to call it a strip okay. mall. That Diavola is really good. Yeah, it is good. I uh, see Aaron Rodgers more of a Fazoli's guy. By the way, I, it, when I, I was... Fazoli's <laughs> unlimited breadsticks, unreal. <laughs> when I was leaving Diavola, I dropped my debit I card. I Garden right now. And so I dropped my debit card, and my cousin texted me and said, Hey, did you just eat at Diavola? I said, Yeah, how, how in the world did you know that? And he said, well, my buddy just found your debit card on the floor and texted me. to." T- and so I said, oh, okay. So I turned around. It was th- five minutes later. So I go back in and I said, yeah, apparently I, I dropped my debit card. And the guy says, okay, well, what's it look like? I said, well, it's orange. It's a PNC card. It says Jake Query on it. And he goes, can you describe it further? I, I mean, how much more description do you need? It's got my name and my, like... What, what more description do you I mean, need? The birth certificate, social yeah, I mean, seriously, but the food was great. Was I was that place. person yesterday at Meyer. Rosie and I did a little grocery shopping at Meyer, where I left my wallet in the car. So I'm holding up the line to go out and get oh, it. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Rosie, very confused what we were doing there. I'm like, we're not shoplifting. Uh, yeah, I was that guy. Um, yes, to Joel's question, I believe with a lot of confidence that the Colts' next quarterback is in Indianapolis this week. Again, C.J. Stroud. Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Hendon Hooker, they're all here um, for the Combine. Not all of them will be working out. We'll continue to monitor that as the week moves along. But this starts the process, Jake, to where the Colts inch closer to the guys they like. And then you have to sit there and say, what do we need to do to go get So, So that leads to this question and see if this makes sense the way I ask it. Do you believe that the Colts are going to go into this to find the guy that they want to move up to take and and move themselves up in the draft to make sure that they get the first pick? Or do you believe that the Colts are going into this to assure themselves that it is okay if they stay at four and have to... In other words, do they go into it saying, maybe there is not a clear-cut number one, so let's just make sure that we're safe at four? You know, I, I understand the hypotheticals. I think, Jake, this week is all about you've got to find out more information about all of these quarterbacks. You've got to get to know, again, I'll, I'll use that cliche, neck up this week. It's your first in-person interaction for Shane Steichen and Chris Bauer with these guys. You can put them up on the whiteboard. You can... You know, whatever, personality test, however you want to handle those 15-minute interviews. But to me, it's more about completing the profile and the prospects. That's what this week is about. And then, Jake, once you get done with this week, now you've got two months, and you're going to throw in a pro day. You're going to throw in some private you know, workouts, private meetings with some of these guys as well. But that's where you get through, okay, do we love him enough to move up? Do we think he's going to be there for? And I will reiterate what I said earlier. A question you've got to ask yourself with the Houston Texans sitting there at two, is if you love one of these four, is it worth risking that guy to be in your division for the next decade? Right. That's fair. That's a really good point. 
I mean, that's part of this process. When you look at Chicago at one, Houston at two, Arizona at three, and Indianapolis at four. And again, Houston has a lot more in what they can offer Chicago from a draft pick standpoint than what Indianapolis can. Yeah, that's... Okay, how about this? Houston is your divisional foe, correct? If you are Indianapolis, Kevin... Do you do this? And I'm getting way into like checkers and chess hypotheticals, but it's fun. If you're the Colts, is it possible that you take a long, hard look at it and you say, you know what? There's not a big difference between we got three quarterbacks here that we think are, you put them in a blender and they're all pretty close to one another. Is it possible then that it's in Indianapolis's best interest to hear all kinds of chatter and create all kinds of chatter and leak all kinds of stuff that the Colts are actively looking to trade to number one, not because they have any interest in doing so, but because they want to make Houston sacrifice assets to move up one yeah, spot. I mean, that's, yeah, it's very chess to your earlier point. But yeah, that's part of the next couple of months. I mean, if the Colts are smart, what they would do over the next two months is just lie. Just lie. And Ballard. Whoever's the final say, or whoever gets final word, whether it's Ursay, Ballard, Steichen, whether each of them get three votes, but they would not tell any of their scouts inside that building who they're favoring, any of that. They would simply just lie their asses off over the next two months, and then Ballard can walk into that media room on Thursday night, April 28th, whenever the draft is, and with a southern draw and apologize, and that's the end of that. Kevin? It doesn't matter if the Colts draft 45th. They can lie all they want, and then no matter what happens, I guarantee you, they're going to get the guy they targeted from the get-go, and the board win exactly as they expected. All right? 32 GMs say that around the league come come draft night. I, there there were times I covered the draft. We couldn't believe I, he was there. Yeah, I mean, it was they could have drafted Farkas no. and – in front of them and they would come out and say well, Mike had a hell of an arm I remember the year <laughs> I remember the year that um, they drafted Dallas Clark and Bill Pullian came out and said this is the guy that we tabbed from the beginning this was our guy we got our guy he's going to be and obviously he was a great pick and then later in that draft he was asked was there any thought that you had about trading up and he said we did think earlier about trading up in the draft but the guy we would have traded up for was taken Okay, so this wasn't the original guy that you had in mind. That's cool. That's all. Mike has been hanging around. I think Mike is an Anthony Richardson fan. Yeah. Uh, What's up, Mike? What's going on, guys? Um, So I I don't know. I don't know if y'all watch much Florida football. I'm not a big college guy, but uh, around this time of the year, I start watching highlights and I start putting stuff together and trying to get an idea of what what the draft's going to look like. Anthony Richardson's pocket presence and his, especially on his dropbacks, and I agree that he does play in a spread style offense down there in Florida. But the guy's IQ and his pocket presence alone, I think, stands out more than any other quarterback in the draft. Um, so, with that being said, whether anybody else likes him or not, I guess is irrelevant. But what what if the Colts were to trade back to seven? Other than the city riding, I know. You trade back to seven, you get an additional couple pieces, you know, a couple picks or whatnot. Let these other teams go pay high price for Stroud and Young, and then you can get Richardson. Let's just say at number seven for Vegas. 
you trade four for seven, you get an additional second this year and next year. I don't know what the pay, you know, I don't know what the price would be. I'm assuming something like that. Now you're getting extra picks to address your offensive line, uh, to address that wide receiver. I mean, what do you guys say to that? Mike, do you worry at all the guy's won six games in his college career? I Man, I think I, – I don't know, but he's not throwing to all pro – well, let's just say he's not throwing to pro, pro Bowl wide receivers like Marvin Jr. Sure. I mean, And that's been – Mike, that has been – you are correct in that. Will Levis, you know, that's the same thing they've said is he and Levis both. you got to look at who they're throwing to. By the way, Mike, have you called the program before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. Uh, I was going to say – has anybody ever told you that you maybe I have I don't know that you sound like Tony Gwynn the late Tony Gwynn <laughs> no <laughs> you even giggle like Tony Gwynn Tony Gwynn who is like the the greatest dude ever and lived in Fishers by the way during the time he was a San Diego Padre from now on when you call in Mike can you just call yourself Tony Gwynn Mike is that cool I, I sure can <laughs> Mike, do, Mike do you swing uh, it from the left side of the plate or are you uh righty I'm a I'm a lefty. <laughs> Are you really? Even better. Yeah, unless I'm shooting a basketball, I shoot right-handed. But I'm well, you know, Tony Gwynn was a point guard too. There, there you go, go. Mike. Right. <laughs> have a great week, man. Uh, the Anthony Richardson one, Jake, is going to be really, really fascinating. It's the guy with the massive arm and the great legs and accuracy was a, is and was a huge question mark. A lot of people think if you just correct the footwork and he sits for a year, he could be that guy. The trading back idea, again, I understand where Mike's coming from on that, Jake, but again, this is where my hesitancy will be over the next couple of months and even sitting at four. The The more risks you take in trading back, the more risks that you have in putting other teams above you, you are hoping. You're hoping that that guy falls into your lap. And for me, that position means way too much to hope that. I understand the appeal in attracting more picks. I understand the appeal in wanting to support that guy as best as possible. But for me, if you identify that player, that guy can make up for some other areas. That guy Kevin, can cover up for some other areas. I'm not saying it's going to be Richardson, but there is a long list of quarterback graveyards of guys that were big arm, intriguing talents that all they needed was time, and we're still waiting. You know what I mean? Bob Kravitz in about 10 minutes, Miller Cop at 9.30. Kevin Aquari here on an overcast Monday in Indy. Combine week here in Indianapolis. I guess good news is weather isn't going to be too, too chilly. I do, you know, a lot of national media, Jake, in the city. No Pacers action, though. Typically, there's a Pacers home game during Combine Week. I don't know if you see some NFL people over there during that time, but typically that is the case. I guess they go to Hinkle tomorrow night. The That's correct. Uh, Butler Marquette, right? Uh-huh, 630 the, tip. Yeah. The NBA schedule, when they do the NBA schedule, the Pacers intentionally are sent on the road into February, early March for the Big Ten tournament. Right. Because they don't know, you know, they schedule so far out, right? Yeah. They Usually Combine Week, I feel like they're home. But yeah, to your point, Big Ten tournament. Combine wise. Week, uh, summer chapter for, or spring chapter for NFL coaches. Bunch of guys. Uh, my favorite part of Combine Week, and this happens with the Final Four too, uh, the guys walking around it's imperative no matter where you go you must wear from head to toe at your logo like give me a team off the top of your head just give me an nfl team uh the commanders the commanders so if you are a washington commander scout uh area scout coach assistant coach you you have to wear the the commander logo and at least three items at all times so hat uh sweat top sweat pants 
shoes, at least three representations of the logo, and then anybody that you see anywhere you go, you have to say, hey, coach, you good? You good, coach? Good seeing you, coach. And then you keep walking. That is that is the combine. So you could fit right in, honestly, if you find some nice gear, yeah, up-to-date oh yeah, gear, yeah. and echo that. Uh, we are going to have a loaded show this week guest-wise. Tomorrow, Norv Turner is going to join us. Obviously, the NFL head coach, Norv Turner. He gave Shane Steichen his first job in the NFL. Uh, actually hired him to be a defensive assistant with the Chargers, then brought him over to Cleveland uh, when Norv uh, was the offensive coordinator there. So looking forward to that conversation. Mark Peter King on Wednesday. Peter King correct? on Wednesday, yep. Peter King's got a, uh, a an event with Shane Steichen coming up on Friday over at Sun King here downtown. Um, He's been very supportive of Sun King over the years. Yes, Teacher Treasures as well, which Correct. love to see that. So it's an annual combine event. So Peter King going to join us again. Shane Steichen, the hope is on that front. A couple other names out there that we might be. Yeah, a couple other to. names. I don't know if we want to reveal anybody just yet, but yeah, um, hoping for a couple other guests. As we'll be down at the convention center tomorrow, Thursday, or excuse me, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Prospects starting to get to town. Uh, today, even yesterday, defensive guys are the early groups here, and then uh, you get to the offensive players later in the I week. I feel like those la- those three shows at the end of the week will be you'll be working hard because you have to control Jake from people watching the whole time. I, did you guys look at the radio row list? I didn't see uh-huh. the Raiders. <laughs> they, they, we need to get missed, away from that fan guy. They missed the deadline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> to, to turn everything in. They're setting up shop across the street. The Raiders show up on Wednesday and be like, "Wait, what?" For those that, that weren't listening to us a year ago, uh, where were you uh, during the combine? All the different teams have like their their little booth set up, and the Raiders every day showed up at like ten o'clock, and it, two guys that looked like they'd been at Tiki Bob's till like four. I, maybe they heard Tiki Bob's was closing, and they decided not <laughs> to show up. That's right. That Put a fork in it. We're not going. The Lions, I remember the Lions were set up near us last year, and I think the Giants, oh no, the Dolphins. Remember the fellow from the Dolphins? Well, the Lions were prompt. I mean, Dan Campbell had them That's right. ready to go. They were there early. Dolphins guy the was there early, too. He was. He was. So yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for us. Do you know what the Dolphins guy sounded like, Mark? At the convention center. Uh, you want me to play a Dolphin soundbite? Is that what you want? I just completely teed you up. Well, I don't right? have it readily available. Why, why not? It's the Peacock and the Bobcat that he has readily available. <laughs> yeah, I think Jake might go to a dolphin sound at some point. Mm-hmm. Let me have that queued up and ready to roll. You seem to always have the Packers ready to go. <laughs> Packers suck! <laughs> okay, kind of sound like Tyreek Hill in the open field? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. yeah just it does. Can't catch him. Uh, Miller Cop, 930, Bob Kravitz next. Kevin and Corey. Uh, Don Fisher on the call. The IU Basketball Radio Network as Indiana defeats Purdue and gets a sweep. First time, by the way, that Indiana has swept Purdue where the Boilermakers were ranked in both games since 1940. And that year, Purdue, because they were swept despite winning the Big Ten, deferred to Indiana to go to the NCAA tournament where the Hoosiers won their first national championship. By the way, one note in college basketball quickly before we get to Bob Kravitz. Uh, Terry Holland, longtime, uh, in my opinion, legendary coach at the University of Virginia, notably, who led the Cavaliers to two Final Fours. In 1981, they won the last consolation game in Final Four history. And in 1984, they got to the Final Four after defeating Indiana, after Indiana had defeated Michael Jordan's North Carolina team. Uh, Terry Holland passing away this morning. 
after a long battle with Alzheimer's, but one of the great coaches of the late 70s and early 80s in college basketball. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, as he does on this program, he is with The Athletic. Bob Kravitz joins us. And Bob, as we just heard Don Fisher describing the action for Indiana in their win, my question to begin for you would be this. Did that game tell us more about where Indiana is, what Indiana is doing right, or problems for Purdue? I think it tells us more about Indiana, to be honest with you. I mean, they've gone, what, uh, since the, that bad stretch, I think they're, what, 10-3 and three now. I think it shows us just how far they've come, how, how much they've grown. Look, Purdue's in a little bit of trouble, but, you know, we, what did we expect from Purdue to start the season? I mean, they were they were picked six by the writers. Um, not that that means anything, but um, it, this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. So what Purdue has done is utterly remarkable to uh, get a share of the Big Ten title, and uh, uh, there's no doubt they'll they'll win it uh, for themselves here in the next couple of days. But I think it tells you more about IU and specifically the growth of this team to go on the road, put Shafino to go crazy. And what really impressed me the most was Cop and uh, Galloway both knocking down a couple of three-pointers, both uh, finishing, I think, with 13 points. Uh, that that tells me a lot because this team has not been very good on the road outside of Trace Jackson Davis and, uh, and uh, Race Thompson. You know, Bob, I said earlier, I want your reaction to this, that the more I've watched them, and one game does not a season make. I mean, Jalen Hood-Shafino was spectacular in that game, and we certainly knew coming into the year that that was the kind of talent they expected from him, maybe not to that level, but you get what I'm saying. But I feel like, and I want your reaction to this, It is Indiana has a much better chance of winning games when Trace Jackson Davis struggles than right. they do when Jalen Hood Shafino struggles, quite frankly, because uh, you know we've seen games where Trace Jackson Davis has been spectacular and gets no help and they don't win. But if 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 Jalen Hood Shafino is playing like that, then that can be a real catalyst for them, and they can ride that for a little bit. Oh, absolutely, and, and look, I've said I've said this for a couple of weeks, even before um, uh, IU beat Purdue uh, up at Mackey. I really feel like IU is going to do more damage in the postseason than Purdue, and I've said that for quite a while. The reason being, Jalen Jafino. I mean, it's it's you get to the tournament, it's all about guard play, and they got they have a pro, they have a pro at guard. Uh, I really love what Purdue brings to the table, but those two guys, Smith and, and Lawyer, great freshman guards. They're going to be for years to come. But I don't, I don't see either one of them being potential pros. So, um, you know, the other thing, too, another way to look at it is IU can win when Trace does next to nothing. Um, but Purdue, if he doesn't go off, they got no chance. Bob Kravitz with us from The Athletic. He was in the building on Saturday night. And you look at Jalen hood Shafino's performance, Bob. I mean, you've seen a lot of great individual performances and just your history of covering sports. For a freshman to do that, a freshman to do that on the road against your biggest rival, Bob, certainly in the history of this series, that has to rank right up there with any other in terms of individual efforts, particularly when Trace Jackson Davis was so quiet. 
Yeah, exactly. I don't have any historical data to to run by you, but all I know is that's uh, that's uh, the most points by a freshman since nineteen uh, by an IU freshman since nineteen eighty eight and Jay Edwards, and I know that's more you guys uh, uh, era. Uh, I, I wonder who Jay Edwards got those thirty something again. Minnesota. I, I, it was at Minnesota. He had eight threes. He was unbelievable in that game. But I figured, I figured you would know. Yeah, but winning in the barn is not necessarily like winning against Purdue, who has been ranked number one for the majority of the season right. on the road. And, and it was it was remarkable because they they kept doubling doubling Trace. They said we're going to take him out of the game, and I thought that Woody did a really smart thing and. They just did high pick and roll over and over and over. And Hood Chapino, he's just so deft at, at navigating that pick and roll. He doesn't play in a hurry. He's almost casual the way he plays. But he, he, he speeds up when he has to. And I, I just thought he was remarkable. And that drop coverage with, with Edie under the basket, Taking away Trace Jackson Davis's rim runs, I thought uh, that you know his mid-range game, Hood Shafino's mid-range game, was just incredible. Bob, the name I threw at Jake earlier in the show about Hood Shafino at the next level, and when I hear you describe him, I'm thinking that's exactly how I would describe this guy in the NBA. I do think Hood Shafino can be a little bit more dynamic than this guy, but I sense a little Malcolm Brogdon. A little bit. Again, a little bit more little athletic, bit. but it, you know, yeah. the, when you talk mid-range, in control, pace, you know, can you know score at you know multiple levels? I, I, I kind of get a little Brogdon when I watch him. A little bit. Uh, the guy, you know, I was watching. I, I listened to the broadcast when I'm covering a game, and I, I thought Jim Jackson brought up a good guy. Uh, another another guy, a guy from Gonzaga, Jalen Jalen Suggs. You know, who's playing with the with the Orlando Magic now? Same. Same type of game. He can beat you from all three levels. Doesn't play in a rush. Um, just, just really under control at all times. And uh, look, you know, uh, he hasn't said anything about going pro. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. He's going to be a middle of the first round pick. If he goes crazy in the postseason, he, he's just going to keep moving up, and moving up. So, you know, enjoy him while you got because it ain't going to last very much longer. Bob, on the other side of things, and I don't mean that—I mean I don't mean that to say that they're on the other side of the season by any stretch of the imagination. But the other side of that game is Purdue. Mm-hmm. Feels to me like Purdue at the beginning of the year. I actually talked to somebody about this yesterday. That Purdue obviously had an incredible start to the season and has had a phenomenal year. But now that they are starting to see everybody a second time, teams have kind of figured out how to chess match them a little better with Zach Eady, who is virtually unstoppable. But if Lawyer and Smith, and, and for that matter, Mason Gillis have off nights, it's going to be some potentially long nights for Purdue. Does Purdue have issue heading into the end of the year here? I do. I, I, think, some, I think some teams have figured out if you pressure their guards. Uh, you know, the, 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 the full court pressure has been really problematic for them. It wasn't the other night because IU didn't really uh, – pressure up court but uh yeah i think that's absolutely true and and really the trajectory of this season reminds me so much of last season when they came out like a house on fire and 
Then they started, you know, uh, it got a little dicey there for a while. And then they, they didn't do anything in the Big Ten tournament. You know, and at the time I thought, well, they're a really good team and they're going to go deep in the NCAA tournament. Maybe a little rest. You know, winning the Big Ten tournament, big freaking deal, right? I think this year is a year where they need to win or at least get to the championship game of the Big Ten tournament just to kind of get the get the mojo back, you know, uh, because this has not been the same team uh, in the last six six games that we've we've been watching all season. So I don't think they're doomed, but uh, I see a lot of what I saw last year, and I thought last year they had more talent. Honestly, I mean, you you, you had two pros. I mean, you had Travion, you had Ivy, um, you know, uh, certainly Stefanovic was a nice complimentary player. Um, I don't think they have quite as much talent this year, but, you know, they could surprise us and, and, and go deep. You never know. But, uh, you know, uh, and Matt Painter brought this up the other day. He was trying to make the point, don't panic. Well, uh, Carson Edwards, the year they got to the uh, Elite Eight, Carson Edwards was shooting, was in a terrible slump late in the season. He was shooting like 28% from three and then went nuts in the postseason. So, you know, good shooters find it eventually. Maybe Purdue will. Maybe somebody will have that kind of performance. But uh, I, I really do think IU is, is going to be the team that we're going to be watching later in March than Purdue. Yeah, I've always said this about Purdue. You keep on getting shots at the dartboard. I think eventually you are going to break through. You just never know when that year is going to be, when the bracket falls your way, or you, like you said, Bob, a guy gets hot come tournament time. Last one from me, Bob, on the IU-Purdue front before we shift gears. Um, the reintegration of Xavier Johnson. It yeah. seems like that could happen somewhat soon. Mike Woodson you know, maybe isn't ready to commit to that just yet. Two home games this week to close out the regular season, and then the Big Ten tournament. How do you view, and I think it's a fair word to use, the volatility, good or bad, of the return of Xavier, Xavier Johnson? Well, I think it's pretty clear that Huchifino is, uh, I mean, this is Wally Pip, Pip land, you know, for, for those of us old enough to remember that reference. Um, Huchifino is the point guard. And to me, Xavier Johnson, they got to work him back really slowly. He's got to come in off the bench. Uh, I, I just, again, you brought up the word volatility. I, I like what they've got right now. They're 10 and three in their last 13. Huchifino's playing, playing out of his mind. Uh, there is no way I'm screwing with that, uh, w- w- with the, with the chemistry that they have right now. So I would think you bring him back really slow and you bring him in off the bench. The other thing too, Xavier Johnson's a really talented guy, but he's a streaky guy, Bob. And it almost feels like, I don't know how you say this to a guy, but hey, listen, we're going to put you in there, but if you miss your first four shots, you're coming right back out. And that's unfair to say because some guys need a minute to get rhythm, but um, he has John Stark's tendencies. You know what I mean? Lightning in a bottle or one for 18. And it's going to be a real challenge for him because, because of that. Because he, he's not been a bench guy, how will he react to that? Uh, he's basically lost his job. I mean, you're, you're not going to change this lineup. This is this lineup is working. So you bring him in off the bench. You hope for a little bit of instant offense. Uh, you get him in those those pick and rolls, uh, which were so effective late last season. But 
it's going to be a very difficult transition for Xavier. Okay, Bob Kravitz with us from The Athletic. The NFL Combine is here this week. Bob, will hear from Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard coming up on Wednesday. I believe it's the first time, uh, at least I, I don't know if the guys had you on late last week, that we've talked since the Shane Steichen hire. Just your overall thoughts on that. I know you were able to catch up with North Turner, a guy that we're going to have on tomorrow. So thank you for that uh, that contact. Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, look, I, I think Steichen was the best uh, candidate. The, the more... You know, the more I've looked into his his background, the fact that he's been successful with several different styles of quarterback, from uh, you know Rivers who doesn't move to Herbert who moves you know when he needs to to Jalen Hurts who plays a completely different style of football, that is really impressive. The only thing that gives me pause, and, and it would give me pause with any coach, is a first year guy calling the plays. Because you saw what happened in Philadelphia when Sirianni gave up the, the, the play calling in his first year. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Brian Dable did the same thing with the Giants, uh, giving up the. the I, I could be wrong. But no, I, yeah, I, Dable, Dable gave up play calling, yep. Okay, I'm correct for a change. Um, so, you know, that gives me a little pause because I, I, like, I like my head coaches to see the macro view of things. You know, and um, you know he's you know he's going to call the plays, and that's fine. But let's see how things go from a game management standpoint. I thought at times that Frank Reich was so caught up in the next play that he lost sight of the bigger picture. So that that to me gives me pause. But I, I do think that Shane Steichen is is a terrific candidate, and I think he's just fine here. Bob, here do you think? Do you think the Colts – Bob Kravitz is our guest. He's on the Payless Sugars hotline. Do you think the Colts are going into the combine with a specific quarterback in mind that they are honing in on? Or do you think they're going in saying, look, there are four or five guys here and, and we're simply going to give a fair car wash run through on all of them and then make a determination? Well, I, I look, you know they've been scouting for a long time. Uh, I think they probably have an idea of who they like. I mean, they've been watching plenty of plenty of film and know what what these guys are about. I think that the combine will serve to maybe confirm some of the biases they may they may have, or it may send them in the other direction. Um, my sense is that Bryce Young is the guy, and my sense is that they're going to go up and get him, but. Um, you know, and, and and who knows what these guys are going to do at the combine? Whether they're going to, you know, some guys don't even bother throwing, so it's hard to tell. But you know, you do the speed dating thing, you do the interviews. Uh, I think they have an idea in their head, but I think they're going to go in with as open a mind as possible, and maybe uh, some of their, you know, some of their thoughts on players will be confirmed, or or go the other way. Maybe they'll you know, reach out to somebody and say, you know, there's nothing there. I, I know there are some quarterbacks that uh, that they liked in previous years and they met them and thought, man, there's nothing there. So um, so I, I, think, I think it'll be useful, but I think they have their eye on somebody. Bob, last one from me, and it's a bit unfair that I even asked you the question just because I don't think we know the full story, and I, to be totally honest, I don't know how much you've been following along, but I assume you have 
seen a little bit of the Brandon Miller Alabama situation. Um, do you think um, if you were Kevin Pritchard, uh, would he be off your draft board based off what you know? No, no, not not until there's a final uh, a final adjudication on it. Uh, clearly, him and his coaches, uh, specifically Nate Oates, are a little tone deaf. I think we can say that based on Oates' initial comments. Wrong place, wrong time. It was a little more concerning than that. And that's the whole pat down thing that they do. I mean, at some point, an adult has to show, has to show up and say, no, this is probably not a real sweet idea. But look, you know, you, you look at the thing that happened in Texas with Beard. Um, you know, he gets fired. Um, because he's he, he's charged with domestic violence, the charges get dropped. Now they don't have a you know, and now he's he's out the door. Uh, no, I now if if something happens and it turns out he was deeply involved, yeah, then he's off the board. But um, you know, to me, you you at this point have got to see the way the thing is adjudicated, and then you make a make a decision. You know, it's. I heard somebody say, Bob, or I read somewhere that these allegations, I guess is the wrong word with, with Brandon Miller at Alabama, because he has not been, as you mentioned, charged with anything, but that it could cost him being drafted in the top five because teams may look if they're drafting in the top five and find the top five talent players to be kind of interchangeable and therefore they can still get a player of equal caliber without the PR headache. But then once you start getting into the 6 to 10, there is such a drop-off in this year's draft that teams like around 6, 7, 8 are going to go, um, <laughs> we can maybe uh, – we'll, we'll handle the heat from the press conference. You know what I mean? But right. to me, Oates is the one to me who, who I have, have had a lot of respect for him from an X's and O's standpoint and what he's done at Alabama. But, man, that guy has completely dropped the ball the last two or three weeks. Oh, no, there's no question. But as far as his draft – status honest to god if a guy can play they'll find they'll they'll they can justify anything if a guy can play i don't care if you're benito mussolini if if you got a good handle they're gonna they're gonna find you and they're gonna draft you so uh and and there's your first benito mussolini Mm -hmm. reference of, of show history probably so um no i i i i think he's still gonna go top five Unless again, it turns out this thing is a lot more serious than than we may initially think. Yeah, I did not have Benito Mussolini on the bingo card here on this Monday morning. So. Speak for yourself. Yeah, appreciate that, Bob. Uh, Bob, we'll see you uh, Wednesday over at the combine, and again, latest up on the athletic recap and IU Purdue from Saturday night. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, Bob I've Kravitz. Got, I've got Pol Pot next to my free space here. Payless Liquors Hotline. Well, we have the whole Farkas family on it today, so good to get all of those sure, spaces checked I'm sure out. Chris Farkas is thrilled to know that he's being associated with Mussolini and He's Pol made Pot. Bob cackle. I picked up the phone to say thanks. He was cackling at really? your joke. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. Miller Cop joining us here in about five minutes. Let's get a morning check down in. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. By the way, somebody asked me, uh, my buddy Dave said, Hey Jake, when was the last time that Purdue and Indiana both wore like black and red in the same game? Basically both wearing road uniforms, right? 
in in, in Mackey, but uh, Purdue like in the '80s, Purdue used to wear that all the time against Indiana, but they were gold, not black. Well, the blackout didn't go so well for the Boilermakers on Saturday night. 79-71, down by four at half. Indiana comes back. A spirited start to the second half. Um, and again, as Bob pointed out, the supporting cast of Trey Galloway, Miller, Cop were huge. No one better than Jalen hood Shafino, though. 35 points for the freshman. That is the first sweep of Purdue in 10 years for the Hoosiers. And for Mike Woodson, he finally gets one in Mackey. Playing hard, man. Again, your defense will keep you in a lot of games, I'm telling you. You know, if you just get stops, and, and tonight we were making shots, too, so that's that's a deadly combination when you get stops and you make shots behind it. So, uh, and yes, it has been a long, that was the first time I've ever won here at Mackey. Four years in college, I never won here. It's a tough place to win. And they've always had great teams. You're a well-coached team, so uh, we've been a good team, a well-coached team tonight. I didn't realize that, actually, that he'd not won there. I was surprised in the player aspect, too. A 3-1 and one as a head coach over the Boilers. You think we see these two teams in the Big Ten tournament? Oh, well, they're certainly both going to be there. Against each other. <laughs> I never thought of that. Boy, can you imagine beating them three times in the same year for Indiana? I feel like it's been a long Banner time year. since we've seen those two in the Big Ten tournament against each other. Michigan's going to win the Big Ten tournament, by the way. But not Iowa. I've said Illinois and Iowa previously in the last two days, but now I'm, I'm now I'm on Michigan. And then uh, when other, one of those other teams wins, he's like, I told you. <laughs> he'll be on USC and UCLA by the That's end of the right. week. Let's go Maryland. Uh, okay, yesterday in NASCAR, it is Kyle Busch, the winner. Chase Elliott, Ross Chastain rounding out the top three. Mark Dykton, a number, please, for one through 36. 19. Number 19, he goes with Eric Jones. You have won a lifetime supply of Allegiant. I don't know if that's the airline. The airline? Like, I don't know. That could be you on Sunday, right, Jake? That's, Flying back here? That's right, yeah. Coming uh, back let's go 29 Pete. for myself. Uh, 29. Oh, Kyle Arson. Henrickscars.com. Oh, Lifetime right. supply. Give me a number for me, Mark. Uh, seven. Number seven for me. Uh, I have won a lifetime supply, thank you very much, of uh, Castrol Edge. Boom. Oh, that's perfect. From Brad Keselowski Boom. finishing in seventh. Perfect. There we go. Uh, the Pacers, they got a win on Saturday in Orlando, their first road win in over two months. Miles Turner, the consistency you're starting to see more and more of. Obviously, 40 points last week speaks for itself. 24 for him on Saturday. Big off the bench from Jordan Wara with 18 and Benedict Matherin with 19. The Pacers have got Dallas tomorrow night, San Antonio Thursday. Those are both 8.30 tips. Is that correct? 8.30 Eastern? Kind of odd tip times this week as the Pacers are in the Lone Star State. 20 games to go for the Indiana Pacers. They still need to get on quite the run to get in the playing game. I'm not going to be selfish here and talk about my own financial state. I just, you know. You just need three wins, right? If you want to see Indiana in the play in, which I don't know how many teams or how many people do, but. Kevin needs three wins for the PBR party. St. Patrick's Day. We'll get it by, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going right after that. Miller Cop. He was big on Saturday for the Hoosiers. He probably just got done walking his dog, Ivy. He's going to join us next here. Kevin and Query on a gloomy start to this Monday. All right, we had him on. After the last victory over Purdue, we've got him on again. He was pretty darn important for the Hoosiers on Saturday night. He is Miller Cop. He joins us now. Miller, the most important thing Jake and I are worried about on this Monday. Um, has Ivy been outside yet in this weather? She's been outside. Got a 
got a uh, number one and number two, so I'm Ooh. feeling pretty good about myself. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it's How good. How about that? Hey, you know, like a clean today. sweep of Purdue and Ivy with That's a clean right. sweep Ivy on this the dog, Monday morning. By the way. Um, <laughs> hey, Miller, I want to begin with this and. and you know, we've talked all morning about how I think you and, and Trey Galloway both were very important for Indiana on Saturday on the arc. But let's be real. You know, that was a Jalen hood Shafino performance for the ages, the second highest point total for a freshman in IU history. Did you have – and we've known of his talent. I mean, that was not a secret, right? But was there a point that you can shed light for us – before the game, whether it be in warm-ups, whatever else, like at what point did you realize or maybe see a look in him of, okay, it is all coming together for him tonight and this is going to be his night? Um, you know, I, I didn't know. I, I mean, obviously, I can't. If I knew that's what, you know, would have happened, I would have been like, all right, dude, just I told everybody on the team, man, just don't talk to him, just let him do his thing. <laughs> and, uh, but no, he, um, you know, you kind of just saw it to start the game. He was real locked in with um, and super aggressive in terms of, you know, offense and having the ball and making reads and stuff. And, you know, they play drop coverage with their big. So, you know, we, you know, he, I think, you know, he feels really comfortable in that coverage. And, and uh, you know, he, it gives him a little space to uh, you know, have some freedom with the ball and create. So he just did, he did his thing and they gave, it gave him a little, and he took a lot. After the game, after the game, Trace Jackson Davis had commented that at, at at one point, Mike Woodson, your coach, had designed some things to try to get Trace Jackson Davis a little more involved. And Trace Jackson Davis said, "No, wait a minute, man! Like he he's got it rolling, so let's just keep going to that." And that that you know they so they they went ahead and stayed with that. Now, assuming that that is indeed what happened. Is that more impressive of the leadership of Trace Jackson Davis to speak up or of Mike Woodson to follow that lead? Well, uh, I, mean, I think both. Um, you know, I think because, you know, Coach Woody just has, you know, his intentions are, are pure because he wants to get, you know, our best player going. Um, you know, but Trace is, is, not, is not about himself to where uh, – He's worried about points. I mean, I bet, you know, he would tell you it was like he'd score zero points if if it meant us win every game. Like it just is it's just who he is. I mean, um so it just it just shows that, that he he wants to win so so much. And um and uh even going into halftime, you know, he was just encouraging everybody and, and not like obviously not, you know, in himself and, and thinking about himself. Miller Cop, 13 points, three threes, some big-time, big-time moments for Indiana on Saturday. He joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Miller, I want to go back to Jalen hood Shafino for just a second. You guys obviously return a whole lot from last season. Um, you know, he was a pretty heralded recruit coming in, along with Malik Renew. I guess maybe it was a workout, maybe it was, you know, an open gym session. When do you recall, like, playing with or seeing Jalen Huchifino and thinking, oh man, this dude brings a different element to something that can maybe push us over the top and, and making a run into March. Well, was, I think it was early in the summer. He just kind of, uh, I think it was pickup. And uh, you just saw kind of how he got to his spots and just, you know, took his shots and was confident in his game. Uh, you saw, uh, you know, 
and his ability just to to make reads out of pick and roll and, and how comfortable he was with the ball and, and at his size, which is uh, you know pretty pretty wild. So it was early in the summer, and um, I remember just just thinking, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be pretty good. Miller Cop with us here. Miller, we've talked to you before. You know, you've told us that, you know, based off how long you've been in college, certainly you are not on campus in person in a lot of classes right now. So I am interested, like, what is Indiana week like, or excuse me, Purdue week like for you? Like, do you get a feel on campus? Do you get a sense at all of, like, what this rivalry maybe means to the student body or to the fan base and realizing that, you know, this is one that a whole lot of people circle on the calendar more than the others. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I uh, you know, just being in, and, uh, you know, in Bloomington just going to eat, you know, and, and, and spending time with my family and, uh, you know, down there at their hotel and stuff, you know, in downtown Bloomington, I can, you know, obviously see, that it's it's uh it's special. I mean, it means so much, and um, you know, even just you know being down in West Lafayette, just like seeing the couple Hoosier fans, you know, at the hotel, whether they're not going to the game, but they're you know going to watch it at a bar or whatever it may be. You know, seeing those uh, you know those colors, you know, in a, in a you know sea of black and gold is is pretty is pretty special and pretty amazing, and so uh, it uh it it, it is 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 a good feeling knowing that we we uh you know it means a lot to us and it means a lot to other people as well so i thought you over the course of the year miller miller cop is our guest it, it it seems to me like at times you're unselfish on the floor in the fact of making an extra pass when there are shots there for you from the three-point standpoint in particular um and another guy that now seemingly is more comfortable with his shot from the outside on the other side of that is Trey Galloway, where things have really come together for him. Can you touch on a little bit how much schematically are designed for you guys to take advantage of those looks, or is it designed to continue to move the ball around and try to get into better operating areas down low? Uh, well, I think, you know, first off, Trey's been shooting the crap out of the ball, and, uh, you know, he worked a bunch a bunch a bunch this summer um you know and and preseason and whatnot with his shot and 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 his you know shooting it really well he's just shooting a good ball right now and and, um you know all props to him because man i love to see it but um he uh you know for us it's just about you know making the right pass and making the right play because it's contagious um you know there's I forget. It may have been Jay Wright, but it's always stuck with me. You know, I think he said, you know, there's, you know, he thinks of a pass as like a shot as like you could get a good one, or get a better one, or get the best one. And so, um, you know, sometimes it's about giving up yourself and 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 giving a better or best shot to somebody else. And so, you know, I have confidence in Trey. Everybody has confidence in Trey, and and everybody on the team, um, you know, believes in each guy and and their ability. So it just comes down to trust and, and uh, you know, playing unselfish because it's contagious. Aside from you, of course, who's the most confident player on your team? Trace. Yeah, and you can uh, – you know what, Miller? And You tell me if you agree with us. No hesitation in that answer. Well, and, and here's the thing. I, my guess would be that there's no greater evidence of that than the comfort in himself of being able to say – 
look, you don't need to go through me, coach. I, you know, Huchifino's hot. Let's just go with that. Like, he doesn't have to be the guy because everybody knows he's the guy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, he, he, uh, um, uh, he, he knows what he can do and he knows his abilities and he knows eventually. I mean, when a guy, you know, didn't have his best game, but still ended with like 10 points and, you know, in a short amount of time. So it's like, the, I mean, he, he's somebody who can, who you have to be on his, like, butt the whole entire game, every second of the game. So, um, yeah, it definitely does that said Trace. Miller, last one for, from me. Um, and if you don't want to talk about it, I totally understand. But I thought how you handled the Northwestern experience a couple weeks ago was beyond admirable. Jake and I have accomplished nothing in our lives, so no <laughs> one would ever – um, you know, chant the things that they chanted at you, but obviously it means that you have accomplished something in your life. Um, what was that experience like for you? Um, again, I, I, it's so foreign to me. I, I don't even know how I would react to it, but I, I'm just curious if you don't mind sharing what that was like. Uh, well, you know, it was it, it was tough because, you know, first off, you know, I spend three years there, you know, as a you know freshman, sophomore, and junior, and I. You know, feel like you guys know, you know, whether you played it in, in basketball in college or not, or sport in college or not. Your first three three years of college are very transformative. You know, you 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 come straight from high school into college and, and thrown into the fire. And um, you know, I gave that place for three years my all. I gave it everything I had and, and had the ups and the downs. And you know, I've, I've slept in that gym at night, so it's like for the last time, uh, you know, for me to be in there. That's how how it went. It was a it was a bummer, but you know at the same time, you know I've got a great support system, um, you know in me and 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 a great faith because knowing that you know it's it, it all at the end of the day is is temporary and um, you know the game is is going to end and and you know all that stuff and so you know not getting too wrapped up into it, but you know after that game I was not happy, man. I didn't talk for you know all day. I feel like and and. Um, you know, but it, it led me to feel like I'm invincible on the court because you know I went through that, which is you know, um, um, you know something that you know I hope nobody has to go through. But at the same time, I felt like at Michigan State I got chance too from from the whole crowd, and so it, it didn't feel like you know uh, anything at all. So really, at the end of the day, you know, looking back on it, it made me a lot stronger, and I feel you know, invincible out there on the court because of it. Yeah, you had a bad game on the road. You come home, Ivy doesn't care, right? Ivy's cool. Oh, yeah. No way. <laughs> hey, Ivy's just trying to go one and two on this That's Monday right. morning, right? Ivy's cool exactly. with it, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Miller, great work on Saturday night, man. It's been uh, pretty special to see how you guys have turned this around uh, since the uh, early part of the new year and uh, set yourself up for a potentially a big-time run. So enjoy these home games to close out the regular season. Good luck in the Big Ten tournament, and hopefully we can catch up with you before the season's over. Thank you so much. appreciate you guys. It's Miller Cop right there. 13 points, three threes. And Jake again. Jalen Hood Shafino, deservedly so, got the headlines from Saturday. Trey Galloway and Miller Cop, absolutely massive on the road. Big, big, big contributors right at that point where the game turned. You know what I mean? Like right. those guys, mm-hmm. those those shots are where the game turned. Uh pop quiz coming up next. A little delayed today. Scotty's got it. Uh we'll throw Pacing. it at you. 317-239-107. 
Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Anybody that misses question number three, banned. You going to make a move out of the state like yeah, you said earlier last week? Yeah, I can't ban people from listening to this show because we need Jake, all the listeners we can get. Wait, um, you, is that what happened when I was out, Jake's... Threatening he said to if ban someone, listeners? someone missed question one, he would go to their house and tell them they had to leave the state of Indiana. And then he offered oh. up a hint in question one, and the guy got to stay in the state, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. That's quite the authority you've granted yourself. But I was like, that's a pretty harsh <laughs> thing. And then you offered a hint anyway, so kind of laid it up to him. It was the easiest question in the history of the pop quiz. Jake, like non-family members, there's like seven people that are listening. So. Funny, funny you ask. The guy that called in to do the pop quiz that we were going to deport actually was a, is the guy that said he's a family member. So, no, boy. Of mine. We so. need less queries in uh-huh. Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, it is time for the pop quiz. Again, kind of a gloomy start to this Monday here in Indianapolis, but we'll see how the pop quiz kind of looks kind of hard. Scotty. Except for question three. <laughs> uh, Jake, a number one. Usually you go with a specific number for the pop quiz based off your favorite player. Three. <laughs> Nick. Nick. Good Monday morning to you, Nick. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. Nick, how long have you been at the bottom of the ocean? <laughs> uh, is that better? much were you were we on speaker are you in a cave around him to help him with the pop quiz hang out in mammoth cave this morning uh nick how old a fella are you i'm 30 30 year old nick okay you've called the program before right yes i just called friday i was just okay okay here we go so wait are you doing the pop quiz again he's one of our seven (laughs) (laughs) which of the two of us are you related to uh, none. Which would you rather be related to? <laughs> oh, man, you guys going to put me on blast like that. Yeah. Uh, Who seems like the cooler fella of the two of us? Uh, man, both you guys. <laughs> Very politically correct answer, Nick. You should right, run Nick. for office. Would you like for me, that would be Jake, to lead you off with question number one, or would you like for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Uh, well, I had uh, you go, Jake, uh, Friday, so let's go with Kevin. Uh, no threat to deport you, Nick. We're just happy that you're calling and listening. Uh, number one, for the first time in NBA history, two players have scored 70 points in a game in the same season. Damian Lillard at 71 for Portland last night. Who did it earlier in the season? Also with 71. Was it A, Donovan Mitchell, B, Joel Embiid, C, Luka Doncic, or D, Devin Booker? That would be A, Donovan Mitchell. All right, question number two for you. Kyle Busch won yesterday's NASCAR Cup Series race in California. That sets a new record as he's now won at least one Cup Series race in 19 consecutive seasons. Who was he previously tied with? Is it Ricky Rudd, David Pearson, Jimmy Johnson, or Richard Petty? Jimmy Johnson. I think of NASCAR history, I think of that person no doubt you know no doubt all right number three here nick jalen hutchifino scored a career high 35 points to lead indiana past purdue on saturday night hutchifino's 35 is the second most by a freshman in iu men's basketball history who holds the record a jimmy rail b george mcginnis c j edwards d mike woodson 
go with uh, George McGinnis. You know, interesting fact, Nick. Freshmen were ineligible to play Division One college basketball until I think seventy five ish, seventy six, somewhere in there. Freshmen couldn't play varsity back until then, and then Indiana. Jake, the show is over here at ten. Indiana got two guys out of Marion that were really good players after they won the title in 87, and one of them dropped 36 on the road at Minnesota in 88 with eight three-pointers. My, My all-time favorite player. This is the longest hint of Jimmy Rail, George McGinnis, Jay Edwards, or Mike Woodson? Uh, Woodson. Thank you. That is your favorite player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Jake has removed the headset here. Nick, I'll, I'll kind of slide in here and finish <laughs> off the pop quiz. On this day in 1959, Bob Cousy of the Boston Celtics set an NBA record for assists in a single game with 28 against the Minneapolis Lakers. Who broke Cousy's record? A, Scott Skiles. B, Kevin Porter. C, John Stockton. D, Guy Rogers. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Kevin Porter. Nice. Are you, um, are you back from your Rosie Bowen tantrum in the corner? <laughs> Question five. Happy 90th birthday to Pro Football Hall of Famer and Baltimore Court le- uh, Baltimore Colts legend Raymond Barry. When he retired in 1967, he held the NFL record for career receptions and receiving yards. Name the future Hall of Famer who broke both of Barry's records. Was it Charlie Taylor, Charlie Joyner, Don Maynard, or Lance Allworth? Mm. Oh, man. I he has the same initials as your correct answer in question number one about 71-point games. He has the same initials as that guy. Uh, Charlie Taylor, Charlie Joyner, Don Maynard, or Lance Allworth? Don Maynard. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Are you surviving over there? <laughs> I, I Listen. How did Nick do on Friday? Well, it was a freebie Friday, so he did okay. one, right? Yeah, he was okay. Three of five, maybe? I will readily admit, I, I listen, my, my sports fandom basically ended like midway through high school in terms of like fanaticism for things, uh-huh. but I had a an unhealthy level obsession with Jay Edwards. Right. And you, I mean, to be fair, you mentioned that frequently right around this time during the pop quiz. I was a huge Jay Edwards fan. You look like Fran McCaffrey there uh, at the referee when uh, Nick gave his answer. for. I mean, I can tell you he was born on January 3rd, 1969. It's to that level, right? Uh, Donovan Mitchell was indeed... It's like Luke Herringody for me. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Donovan Mitchell for question number one. That is correct. Although Jay Edwards defined everything about being cool and Luke Herringody was the total opposite. What do you mean? You are a huge nerd. Defines cool. Uh, Number two, this is where the first of many slip-ups happened, certainly in Jake's mind. Uh, It was not Jimmy Johnson, Richard Petty. You blew it! Don Maynard was correct. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a Kevin Porter was correct. You're a complete loser. <laughs> and Jake's favorite player. The smoothest dude ever, who Bob Knight once said was the best player he ever coached. Jay Edwards. Correct. Let's kick some ass. <laughs> Your other favorite player, Mike Woodson. That cameo. You know what else I thought speared the Indiana season? Remember when that fan wrote Trace Jackson Davis that that letter? Oh, yeah. Tim Weaver, I believe his name. Did that turn the IU season around? I think that's what it was? 
They have that framed in the locker room, maybe? Bulletin board material. IU's got Iowa tomorrow night, speaking of Fran. And then uh, Purdue at the Cole Center. I don't think the Cole Center has been like it is for Indiana, for Purdue. That makes sense. Purdue, I think, has had a little bit more success at the Cole Center. Yeah, that's correct. Than Indiana has had up there. Again, Purdue has clinched at least a share of the Big Ten title. They can win it outright with a win on Thursday or in their senior day at Mackey coming up with Illinois on Sunday. Today's a good nap day, by the way. But um, when it, it's just basically combine move-in day. Combine move-in day. Uh, defensive players are in the city of Indianapolis. Lots of guys walking around in sweatshirts with numbers on them. Someone texted me earlier that Frank Reich was on there, or saw Frank Reich at the airport. So I think you'll see a lot of people descending upon Indianapolis here early this week. Again, workouts Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You'll have the D-line linebackers Thursday, the DBs Friday. The quarterbacks will throw on Saturday to the receivers and the tight ends, and then running backs and offensive linemen close out the week on Sunday. Some call it the combine. I call it Eddie White selfie week, right? He has to have already gotten one on Jerry's bus. Have we seen Jerry's bus around downtown? Uh, that's usually parked in front of the Conrad, which is weird because if you had that bus, wouldn't you sleep on it? Um, and then Eddie, usually there are three or four guys that you can count on that he's going to be having dinner with. Speaking of that, one year at the owners' meetings, beautiful resort in Boca Raton, Florida, okay? You know, mm-hmm. down there, I mean, can you imagine what those rooms are like at this resort? Uh, Jim Mercer decided to rent a yacht um, that I believe Usher, the musical artist, right. um, held for quite some time. He decided to get the yacht that he just parked right outside the resort, and that's where he stayed and slept, but not well, in the resort. So when Jim Mercer's on it, clearly that it's Yacht Rock, right? <laughs> Calling to JMV, right? That's, that's right. Hey, guys, let's just go ahead and like you know get out in Millsy, and we'll play some tunes. Yeah, why not, right? Uh, Norv Turner is going to join us tomorrow at 9 o'clock in. Shane Steichen's, I think one of his mentors, certainly hired Shane to coach with the Chargers, his first NFL gig. So looking forward to that conversation and some potential for some good guests the rest of the week, I would say, right? Yeah, we've got um, some irons in the fire. Isn't that how we call it? What we iron say? sharpens iron, yeah. Look That's right. That. Thank you, Chuck We're Pagano. efforting. We're efforting some people. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday we'll be over at the convention center for that. If you missed it earlier, Bob Kravitz and Miller Cop. Um, enjoyed the conversation. Up, have you picked up your credential yet? When do we do that? We do that tomorrow. We're going to do go, that tomorrow. I think we're going to do a, a show field trip after the show. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. You pack it Walk through the skeleton mall and then <laughs> go into the... <laughs> skeleton <laughs> might be a compliment. Pick up a couple of emoji yeah. pillows over yeah. at the mall and head yeah. over, right? Uh, an Annie, Annie uh, pretzel or two and we'll, <laughs> there you uh, go. we'll be ready to go. Again, uh, safe travels since Monday. Uh, kind of a gloomy start. Some rain and the wind in the forecast. I did see a potential for a sectional snow on Friday. Um, so, again, boys basketball year, sectionals man. underway this week. Again, tomorrow, Indiana and Iowa. The Pacers are in Dallas. And Butler has got Marquette. 630 tip from Money for which will gab. Everybody, have a great start to your week. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton, signing off.